You are now in possession of the Rebel FM Podcast. Bienvenidos, you, you, you and grande penis to you. Gordo, penis muy gordo. <laughs> Somewhere my dad is crying because his son is like the most shameful Mexican of all time. If it makes him feel any better, I'm just shaking my head in shame right so, now for you. So welcome to Rebel FM, episode 17. Anthony, would you mind if I pictured your dad as Edward James almost from... He is kind of like Edward James almost with so a... much shorter. He... No, but, wait, Edward James Almost is a very short guy. But yeah. which yeah. Edward James Almost from which movie? I was gonna say Stand and uh, Stand and Deliver, of course. Okay, Jaime Escalante. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say Jaime Escalante, much better Edward James Almost than say Blade Runner. Yeah, well, my dad's my dad's closer to the Edward James Almost from Blade Runner in a way because my dad is Mexican, but he's very whitewashed except for the times when he's like around other older Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Right. Then all of a sudden he like brings out that facade like i'm totally down man i'm totally mexican yeah. it's like that but, suit you only wear to funerals but he's grown up in the navy for 28 years so he's he's so whitewashed because you know the navy isn't very like the navy is very much more like a like black and white these days like there's a ton of black people in the navy and uh there are a lot of hispanics in the navy now though yeah uh, man I, every time i'm out in the navy base it's just a bunch of young white kids and young black dudes like like i never see hardly any hispanics but trust Plus, if my dad see what, did see one, he'd, like, take him under his wing. Immediately, it'd be, like, reverse racism, where that kid would get, like, the in, just because he is Hispanic. It was affirmative action. So, uh... He's got to, you know, people people see see a lot of themselves in somebody else, and they decide to take them under their wing. That's exactly. Is. So, so joining us this week, of course, is Arthur, is normal, and Tyler. Um, and then also we have Sterling McGarvey. Sterling McGarvey. Who, uh, who current GameSpy editor, soon to be former GameSpy editor... Soon to be current G4 editor. Something like that. <laughs> and then we also have Jose. And now, Jose, for some reason I don't know your last name. Uh, Jose Otero. Jose o- Otero. Uh. We just brought the Mexicorian count of the podcast up. <laughs> hey, hey, Puerto Rican. Puerto, Puerto Rican. <laughs> Latino, but Puerto Rican. But Latino, okay, Latino. That means you got... That's a damn just, shame, because it would have been awesome if you could use Mexicorian more often. Well, that's what, that's what Miguel used to tell me. He, he used to say your Mexicorian count was really low, and I'd say, man, you're Cuban. He'd say, yeah, we, count for, say. we count for 10 Mexicans, is what he said. <laughs> so. Well, then then he said something, he was asking about you, and he was like, oh, it's Puerto Ricorians. So oh, yeah. When I met Miguel, I, I admitted that just Puerto Rico aped off the Cuban flag. I was like, look, I'm sorry, we... we Copied it. We did. I'm sorry. He was like, "It's okay, dude." <laughs> I just <laughs> that, that was a pretty good Miguel impression. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's all good, man. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna go around and talk about what we've been playing, and then we'll probably have a shorter middle segment, um, which is fine because with five people, what you've been playing, things usually go on for quite a while. And then last, we're gonna end with the letters because you guys came through. You guys wrote a ton of letters to me, and uh, more than one, which was surprisingly about Wookie penises. So, because remember how we talked about that? Yeah, we sure did. So, and, I'm uh, excited and, to get to the and bottom. And some people of this. really got into the idea of wookie penis. I'm a little scared that someone brought up the whole mammalian bone penis. Phenomenon. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like apparently I didn't know humans are like the only mammal. No, well, there's a, there's certain other mammals that don't. Nick Sutner was yeah. telling me yesterday that humans are the only without a, a that, bone. Well, Nick Sutner is wrong. So I think he's wrong too because I doubt chimps have it, and uh, 
And second of all, Nick wanted me to give him credit for the Wookiee tattoo penis joke because he said he copyrighted that a long time ago. And he was really pissed that I did not give him credit. So I'm giving credit. Um, Ten cents. And just last, wow. before we launch into what we've been playing, <laughs> I just want to thank, so I don't forget, Darren C. from Reno, Nevada, who sent me a copy of uh, Tetris DS because I didn't have one. That was really nice of you, considering it's like super, super hard to find. Darren C., that's gangster. That is gangster. <laughs> like, I'll have to find some way to reward you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Thank you so much. All right, Arthur, kick us off with what you've been playing. Oh, Jesus. Um, I've been playing a lot, but some so much of it is stuff that I don't know if anyone cares about anymore. Like, I finally got my PS3 last week and proceeded to play through Killzone 2 in six hours. All right. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, is there anything left to say about Killzone? Well, what you what you think of it? Yeah, there you That's go. What's left That's to what say. people want to know. Um, I think what I, what I said on Twitter is that I see what people who really liked about it found in it. And I see what the, what say Tom chick was saying about it when he gave it like a six or a seven. Um, I, I mean, it kept my attention. I don't know if it would have kept my attention if it were longer, but it was fun while it lasted. I have a hard time remembering specific parts of it. And I don't know what that says about it. I kind of agree with what they said in the Eurogamer review. They were like, you know, it's like a copy-paste kind of game where, like, each stage could have been, like... They could have, like, jumbled up the order in, like, the chronological progression of that game, and it still would have felt pretty similar. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I liked it. Uh, You know, I I, overall, I liked it, and I actually thought it was, like, a... In a way, it was more of, like, a a tight experience than the first one was. Because in the first one, you really jumped all over the place. But I still felt like the storyline in the first one was a lot stronger. So I don't well, know if and that's the, the mechanic that. of, of different characters and different ways to take on levels was interesting. Exactly. You got to play as different characters. If not necessarily and, well executed. And they spots. had like more interesting characters in my opinion. Like the character you play in this game is basically like the guy from Call of Duty where he's like you know, you play as the characters from Call of Duty, but a lot of times they're just more like the soldier. And and yeah. the first one you played as that Templar guy who was much more of an interesting and conflicted character. Like he still was the focus of the story, which sucks because like in this game, they kill him. Spoilers. And well, yeah, sorry. In this game, they kill him at some point, and it's kind of like it's done like so nonchalantly, and I'm like, dude, he was like the main guy you played in is in both the first game and in the PSP game. They may have been presuming. They were like, well, we're trying to attract this new audience, and maybe not everybody played Killzone. Or yeah. Uh, and, yeah, in fact, I would assume most people didn't play the original Killzone, which... I... It was still greatest hits. I mean, it, it did... Do okay. Were the controls yeah, an issue for you guys, though? I mean, how did you I, deal with that whole momentum? Yeah, um, I didn't play it the way I play most shooters. I thought uh, they were a little daunting at first, but then I quickly uh, got used to it. And while and while you guys continue talking, I'm going to shut the window so we can drown out that person that's playing trumpet. Fair enough. And then at that point, I almost wish I could go into like my past storage of like tweets from like three months ago, because like the amount of hate... That was levied at Killzone 2 during, like, the first two hours of me playing that game was absolutely (laughs) monumental. Like, I sat there as I was playing through it, and I was like, these controls are absolutely horrible. How in the hell could anybody like this game? Yeah, and I, for me, it felt like there was this weird input lag in the acceleration of the controls when you're moving the stick is, is strange and... I think a lot of it is because when you play most first-person shooters, you move the right stick to move, whereas Killzone, it was like they programmed it where you move the right stick to begin the motion of your character moving. Yeah, and I I mean, that part of that could be because you're attached to an actual character model, and that's something that a lot of shooters struggle with. Like, that's one of the, the problems with 
the shooting in Riddick is that for some reason they needed to factor in the body movement and how long it would take you to aim. But it, I just didn't play it the way I played most shooters. I actually played it the way I feel like Anthony plays most shooters, which is that instead of hanging back from a distance, which is what I usually do in like Call of Duty or Halo, like I like to take things out from far away. I just ran up to everything and slaughtered everything up close because the trying to track targets as they ran across my field of view wasn't a problem mm-hmm. when so they filled here's, up here's, my field of view. That's interesting because I hated the melee combat. Oh, I didn't melee. Well, I, I just shot them melee. in the face. Oh, you shot dudes up close? <laughs> like, I That's found the way you the, handled it in Killzone. Here's, oh the, here's the tagline for Killzone Game of the Year Edition or like bot, like Special Edition like like the uh, what is it called greatest hits greatest hits I guess yeah. Yeah. edition will be kill zone not for punk bitches that's <laughs> that's my quote right there I I don't think that I th- I think that there was a lot of a lot of hype and buzz around kill zone two when it came out and there were a lot of people bandying about the whole early game of the year contender thing I just don't I think by the end of the year it's going to be largely forgotten as far as a contender for those kinds of awards that happens well, to any game that comes out at the beginning of the year yeah, yeah I, I mean just like looking at the caliber I don't know, stuff I mean, that's already slated there are yeah. some games that managed to uh, withstand that like Burnout last year managed, managed to, to at least to have stay... people talk about it but it didn't get anything Burnout were... was also helped by the fact that they consist they continuously kept it in your face with, by free a lo- DLC. with updates yeah they made sure that Burnout no matter what was going on last year Burnout stayed relevant yeah, but I'm, it's the preeminent shooter on the PS3 as far as like levels of awareness. Anyway, uh, I thought the cover system was really take it or leave it. Like you either used it or you. Really I, yeah, didn't. I didn't really use it very often. I, I found it, it really frustrating to use it because every time I got behind cover, it's like, okay, this is first person, and I cannot see as well as I was before I got behind cover. Yeah. Look at the way Rainbow Six handles cover. The minute you get into cover. You go to a third-person camera. You can assess, and you can say, okay, I'm going to pop out, I'm going to pop that guy, I'm going to shoot that guy. You don't want to limit a person's vision while they're in the act of like, well, trying to keep track of enemies. I think they were just trying to go for that same thing that Mirror's Edge does, which is where they're like trying to make it feel like a first-person experience the whole time. So that when you pop down and cover, you didn't have a very good perspective, but that is how it would be popping down into cover. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, also the way I sort of looked at that, it was, it, it was their way of sort of uh, increasing the intensity of the firefights where... You know, when you are behind cover, you can't see what's going on. And, you know, if you got surround sound blasting, you know, all you hear is, like, bullets whizzing all around you. And it's, you know, for me, the cover specifically, I felt they were really inspired by, like, action movies and the way you would see dudes in, you know, in action films jump to cover, like, really fast, like, moving from one piece of cover to another really quickly. Whereas in Gears of War, you tend to jump on one piece of cover, stay, take out a few guys, and then move. Yeah. You know, I felt the... Yeah, but then it's forgotten in like multiplayer, and it's just cast aside. Exactly. And I mean, remember, Ghost Recon uh, yeah. was Advanced Warfighter also did that. With the first cover one yeah. did, and I no think cover. didn't the second one put the cover back in? I want to say. Yeah, I don't know, but even still, most people don't use it when you're playing. Even in multiplayer. gears, like how often is the cover really getting used in multiplayer? Just to hide, but yeah, not to shoot yeah. from necessarily. That's yeah. true. Most of it's who's an awesome roller. So, <laughs> so what else have you been playing? So we'll move on from Killzone. Uh, let's see. I played the new Fallout content. And when I say I played the new Fallout content, I mean I completed the quest. That how long the Broken is it? Soul quest. I think I spent about three and a half, four hours on it. And it's how much? Like, what, ten bucks? It's ten bucks, um, but it also, as everyone knows, raised the level cap, and I started leveling up again right away, and that... that Did it, you level all the way to the level cap through the content? No, no, okay. definitely not. I'm on okay. level 23 right now, because I was level 20. Now. Yeah, I was level 20 when I finished it, and as a listener so kindly pointed out by which I mean was kind of a douche about it I was incorrect as far as my uh, reading about what Pete Hines said at the, the event in London as far as the amount of experience it takes to uh, 
to advance from one level to another, but it does slow down. And I mean, the only reason that it speeds up is because where before super mutants were giving you like 10 experience points, you're killing all these enclave troopers that are giving you 50 and a hundred now. Ah. Um, but it, it's, it's good. I, I mean, I didn't buy the last DLC cause I wasn't interested and I was underwhelmed by operation Anchorage, but I definitely think that if you haven't gotten any fallout DLC, this would be the one to buy and they could have charged more for it. And I would have felt okay about that. Um, and I mean, it takes away the ending. The game never ends and there's still stuff for me to do. And, uh, they added perks that open up different parts of the game for you. If you didn't have them before, like there's a perk to send your karma to neutral instant instantly. Tyler, you've been Which, playing it. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually I have. And, um, as I mentioned on the last episode, um, I, I reached level 20 in the middle of the pit. And now that they've raised the cap, um, I finished the pit and, uh, and so I'll be moving on to broken still tonight, hopefully. And, uh, interested to see that, but yeah, it, it's a shame that Operation Anchorage turned you off of the pit because um, it was really cool. Like uh, for me, the pit, the the thing that turned me off to the pit was the it being broken for weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was. All and that, I wasn't so. interested in paying ten dollars mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the new content, I haven't had any problems other than it seems like the performance has kind of taken a hit. Like it's stuttering. Like a, a yeah, lot. loads. Yeah, yeah. It seems like my game's loading slower. Like when I go to my save screen, the time it takes for me to see the you know menu of you know saves that I have, it seems I, I notice that like uh, this might be like two or three seconds longer. Or something. And it's from weird. what I've what I've read yeah. about the way that Bethesda implements DLC and and Oblivion and Fallout, it just takes more memory to to load that content in and make it active. So that could be why. But, yeah. Well, uh, what else you been hitting up? I started Uncharted. Since good for you <laughs> I god damn that game I am that game has driven me closer to throwing my controller than any game has in quite some time really? <laughs> this is including the last battle in Killzone 2 like that well, well, that was insanity oh I, I was perfectly patient with well, this, that and got through it without battle, much well, I got a problem. question for most everyone to insanity well I got so. a question for you and Sterling like when y'all were playing, are, are you playing on hard? And Starling, did you try Killzone Two on hard from the get go? I, I no, play hard. I usually, as a general rule, I have a tendency. I like to play games on normal, normal. because you know people are like, "Oh, normal's the new easy." But mm. you know, I just I like playing on normal. I I'm play not, on normal too. Uh, maybe it's because like I'm older. I'm a married man, but like I don't <laughs> right, need yeah. to like get my ass beat. I don't need to prove anything. Right. To I mean, there are certain games. It. There are certain games that I play where I'll put the difficulty up because that's. Like, I played I know. Killzone on hard because I thought it was going to be too easy. Yeah, the uh, first time. It. Yeah, the first time. Wow. Like Halo, Halo Three, I played on heroic right off the bat because mm-hmm. I know that the way that Bungie does their difficulty makes it a more interesting experience, mm-hmm. as opposed to a more arbitrary and frustrating experience. So I don't know if that's what Killzone did or not. All I know is that I didn't find the frustration that a lot of people had with the last mm-hmm. part. It took me two tries, and I was done. It um, drove me. Took me about fifty. It drove me absolutely nuts. Like I feel like to me, you're talking about the how you would summarize Killzone game of the year. Like to me, it was. It's basically like Killzone Euro Trash Gears of War. Did any of you check your stat for how many times you died on I that died, last level? I I checked how many times I died overall playing it. Yeah, I died overall. I died like ninety two times. Uh, see, I died like forty three times. See, I was looking at like the, a lot of levels, and it was like one time or two times. That last encounter, eighteen times. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I died ninety two times, and like forty five of those were on that last encounter. I just felt like the the part where you're you're fighting just Radic was really stupid and arbitrary. But I didn't. I was never at the point where I wanted to 
fucking spike my controller the way I am playing. So where are you Those stuck in Uncharted? It's not, it's not that I'm stuck. It's just that the gun mechanic in Uncharted sucks. Really? Yes. See, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Like, it felt I didn't really... It, I didn't and maybe I just need to get it. used to it. Maybe I need to readjust to the PS3 controller because I, I've gone on record as saying that it cramps my hands and I don't like it. Which actually may lead me to buying a third-party PS3 controller that has 360 stick placement. But no no tilt controls, which will yeah. be a problem at various yeah. points. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just from playing so much like during PlayStation 2, but... The only thing I didn't really care for was like the way that the bottom shoulder buttons, like the secondary shoulders are, right. that little clippy noise they make when you tap them. That bugged me a little bit, but in general, I don't know. Controller ergonomics haven't driven me nuts since like I tried to play like Unch- Fight Night on Game Uncharted <laughs> is, is still my favorite PS3 game today. That's a, Hands yeah, down. it's a great game, yeah. Hands so, down. That's I got to side with Arthur a little though cuz I struggled with the control with the aiming mechanics when enemies got closer. If they were just far away, I was just picking them off. And, well, yeah. and the melee combat in the game sucks. Also yeah. true. So it's like impossible to actually win melee combat if yeah, the it minute, ever came like, down to that. I just run. Exactly. And the guys take so much damage. I mean, Jesus Christ, these aren't locusts I'm fighting. They're skinny. They're skinny like hirelings. How the fuck do they First take? First of it? all, it doesn't make any sense why locusts take as many bullets as they do either, or humans and the Gear War universe. You just accept it. They're big so, lumps of muscle. So I'm just saying. So yeah, these guys take. A lot of bullets too, but you also miss a lot because they yep. do that fucking like wily sidestep. You get they're always duck doing. out of the way, which is funny because like I remember Uncharted is one <laughs> of those the electric games. Boogaloo. Yeah, they, do the shoulders work? The shoulders. <laughs> um, it's funny because Uncharted is one of those games where I distinctly remember following it from like the first time they showed it all the way until like when they reviewed it, which is something I normally don't like to do. Not to get into like a wanky dissertation on now like I review games, but like. Usually I don't like to be judged during an execution or on something. I it's just a hard and fast rule. I don't I like have. to preview games in general myself. Yeah. So. And so like but I followed it and I remember like the first time I played it, I was like, This game looks great, it's kinda of fun to control, they really need to tighten up the shooting, and why the hell am I like why am I shooting this dude in the face and he doesn't die? And they're like, We're working on that. So the next time they showed it, they're like, Okay, we kinda of tightened up all this stuff based on like what everybody was telling us and I was like, Can I shoot people in the face and they die now? They're like, Yes. Only if you shoot them above the nose. <laughs> Cause if you shoot them in the mouth, they just get really upset and sad. It depends on the distance. I just remember like then at one point I think they fine tuned the difficulty. This was like maybe the third time I saw it. They fine tuned it so much that it was like so hard that like I was at this demo and everywhere I was for like an hour all you kept hearing was that noise so when you die yeah that was like a string of just i mean didn't you hear that over the weekend when i was playing it like the fucking oh nate drake died again yeah i mean it's just that i mean i I just think that game like on top of like the shooting isn't the best whatever but it it also has like i just enjoyed the the platforming well you also like it because the general tone strokes your firefly boner yeah i just think that the the voice acting in the game is great and the music is it has Amazing. a lot of really good personality, and I I like it. But the shooting makes me want. And the to kill story myself. in general is just cool. Like it tells a cool story. Like the Tomb Raider games when I played them, I typically wasn't like like interested in their historical stories or like the way oh, they yeah. get no, into lore. He's but, a, he's a likable well, character. But yeah. This, but I'm but I'm saying in this one, the way that they talk about El Dorado and stuff, it actually is like a story that engages me. 
in well, a way that those games never did. You weren't into the monomyth? So. <laughs> well, it makes me think of, like, you know, everybody used to always compare Lara Croft and, like, all the Tomb Raider stuff to, like, Indiana Jones. Like, oh, it's, like, female Indiana Jones. And after I beat Uncharted and I was kind of sitting there soaking it in, my wife was the one who pointed out, she's like, well, it's like romancing the stone is a video game. It yeah. is a little bit. It is. It's it very pulpy. And I'm just saying, yeah, when it changes tones at other points, too, that you, that you haven't gotten to, where it's um, just like it goes from, like, doing crazy jungle combat to doing crazy jungle platforming to, like, parts on, like, a jet ski to parts on, like... I don't know, in parts that are scary. In parts where you're just like, whoa, 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 hold up. What did I just sign up for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just think that it's a start to finish. It was one of the few games I wrote a guide for that I was like, all right, I still want to play that. You know, I was really kind of taken to by the mocap performances. I just felt like that was some of the best motion capture I'd, I'd seen in a game. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. play Heavenly Sword because I just didn't buy into that whole concept. But what I played of Uncharted, I was really impressed with their performances, like, out of a lot of the games that I play. Yeah, I mean, and the, the, what originally drew me to it was, like, I think reading either a one-up preview or a Game Informer preview where they were talking about the way that he freaks out when he gets shot at and stuff. So he's like an everyman, in a way. If you're listening, not. you did hear that right. He did just say he got into something possibly from reading a Game Informer preview. Yeah, well, back in the day, I mean, I, I we used to get a Game Informer all the time. So, um, I think that the the thing that surprises me that out of all these games I've been playing the and I'm also playing Burnout because you grab Burnout for me and Burnout is Burnout it's fun in small doses if there's a way to restart races if someone could leave it in the comments that'd be really great because I can't figure it out and it makes me really sad oh shit it's the D-pad, oh, D-pad. yeah D-pad what part of the D-pad because uh, I right. hit every direction right. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's right on the D-pad pulls up the menu and then there's an option to restart race you gotta do a little bit of digging yeah. and probably it could be a little did you, easier like, did you pull out the instruction booklet no yeah, they don't. Uh, patch you. No, no, no. It's not well, no, I thought that that's something that they. I, yeah, I thought that that's something they patched in. in. And I remember Nick talking about that like months ago and thinking, you didn't, "Where the fuck is the you restart?" Didn't, you, didn't, you didn't type "restart burnout race" into Google and see what the internet could tell you. No, I I just finished the race and got on with my life. You just kind of wish they'd prompt you though. Like you fail a race, just right on screen. Okay, press X if you want to restart. Press circle if you don't. Which like, is interesting. It. it didn't bother me at all when I played through it. Like I like I feel like the way that they paced the events in Burnout, it was designed so that it was like basically everything flowed like it was like a river. It was like a series of like rivers or whatever. So it was like okay, you messed up this. Just jump into this stream. It'll float you right back down to where your start point was. And yeah. if you don't want to go do it, that's fine. And granted, I mean, if I'm in a race I don't want to do, it's only going to take two minutes of my life to yeah. finish it. So I just and But the west, I hate the west side of the city. Where it's like <laughs> barren of Where it's just right like, out, yeah. here is a long straightaway with some curves, but no streets to branch off and go back to the city. You enjoy that fucking scenic route. It's true. I just think some people like the idea of trying to navigate a crazy mountain road. Totally. I just, I, I don't like driving over there. But my point is that with all these games, it's really weird to me uh, that out of all of them, the one that I'm enjoying the most is playing Red Faction Guerrilla. Hmm. Because if I had, if you, if you had told me I would say that six months ago, I would have called you retarded. Um, but Red Faction Guerrilla is really, 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 really good, and really, I mean, yeah, I don't know how much you can really say about it. No, I the the guy said that once uh, that article was up that it's all good. So I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about? I've only I've only played like the first hour, so. Um. I don't know. I, I just feel like the I didn't enjoy the demo. I think Tyler said you said you didn't enjoy the demo either. Right. Like um, I saw the potential. To me, you know, the demo just uh, really seemed like it was a poor presentation of the game, or uh, 
not not a poor presentation, just not a good. Uh, you you, know, what you're trying to say is it was not a good uh, example of what was to come. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just the the geo mod mechanics actually work really well to the point where I feel kind of like a cartoon character sometimes if I'm <laughs> doing something wrong and I chop a, a tower and it falls on top of me or sandwiches my car. That one comes out what June. During E3 or right before no, E3. It's, I think it's like, uh, is it during? I thought it was like two weeks after. Yeah, yeah, is it? I, I thought it was June. at the beginning of June. So, It's probably pretty close. Yeah, I think I'm going to wait to talk about that until I play the retail one. Because that's definitely, like, I'll say I like it, and it's definitely a game I'm going to buy, though. Yeah, the it'll only be, problem is I that... I think it'll be a good summer game for people if they're One thing I have a, a question. Uh, I didn't play the previous Red Faction. You don't need to. Um, did, did they have, like, ground... Like where you could de- destroy the ground and yeah, stuff like the, that. The, kind of most like, of the um, destruction until you did. hit like the unbreakable. Yeah, you always hit like a bedrock core. type thing. But most of the stuff in the old red factions was you were in so many dirt tunnels that a lot of times it was like you shoot and blow out the side of a tunnel. Not it's like an ants. ant farm. Oh, okay, it's like being on an ant farm or like on a pie mm-hmm. in a pie and tin. Like eventually you get to the tin and you. So can't now go they've any gone further. much more the building route than right. Yeah. And, so am I correct in understanding that there's no destruction of the ground in? Yeah, one, not that I've yeah. seen. No, I mean, in there, oh, okay. like you can't destroy rock. That's what. This. Yeah, okay. I thought I. But everything okay. else is pretty much fair game. Um, Which actually, I think is way better. So. Yeah, I would much rather do like being able to dig a hole is my is fun for like a minute until you realize there's nothing to do with that hole. But right. to me, like when when I get games like this that are this uh, style of sandboxy, like I I really almost want it to behave like a chemistry set, almost like the new pixel junk game. Where you know you apply things with different properties and they'll react according you know to how, to how they would you know like uh, you know fire re- would react with uh, other things I don't know yeah unfortunately there's no like setting explosive and then watching as it starts like secondary fires or something like that right no. yeah yeah no there's really not any fire or anything like that you can chain explosives and they go when you set explosives they detonate in the but everything you on Mars them. is pretty much made of metal or stone as well and they don't pretty much they pretty much don't go like cloth or wood routes yeah so. It's just, I imagine Mercenaries 2, if they did Mercenaries 2 right. Yeah. I mean, well, Mercenaries 2, you can blow up whole buildings, but you couldn't do, like, like damage slowly on a building or anything like that. Like, you can't on this. Like, you'll set explosives and damage the foundation, and you'll realize, like, it's only being held up by, like, two <laughs> points, and you'll just roll up with your sledgehammer and fucking whack it, and then it'll all come collapsing. I mean, they'll, they'll co- it'll collapse after a certain amount of time if it's only on a certain amount of support. Like, it'll, you'll, you'll hear the the buildings start to give before it falls on top of you, hopefully. So, is that it for you? Uh, that and Plants vs. Zombies. Alright, well, we'll talk about Plants vs. Zombies when I, when I come around. So, Tyler, what you been, what you been hitting up? Um, I'm still playing through um, Lost in the Damned a lot. Man, I love that I love that piece of content. I don't know. I'm just, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Which I is really do. Like, to me, like, Lost in the Damned is the point that broke me. Like, I've been, ever since I, like, I downloaded it, it's kind of killed my, between that and Operation Anchorage, mm-hmm. it's like a coin flip now for, like, what version, of, what console I'm going to play a game on, because, I don't know, it's like, I enjoyed GTA 4, I played through mm-hmm. it, and it's kind of killed it for me. Like, what do you, what do you dig about it? To me, I like the missions, the type of missions that you get, like, uh, even the secondary ones, like the Gang Wars, I'm going through and doing all of them, just because... For me, the ambiance of like riding with a crew of like a gang, like I, I don't know, I love gangs. Always have. I don't know why. <laughs> that sounds so bad. Tyler, you surprise me on a regular basis. <laughs> but like, 
I don't know. I just love like r- you know riding in with a pack of dudes with motorcycles. Were you ever in a gang as a little kid, Tyler? Like you and your friends? Did you make a gang? <laughs> no, no, no. And um, and just and, Imagining and just Tyler how they really the push. Um, you know, they they push the action with all the missions. Um, one mission that really stands out in particular is the one where you um, where you uh, sabotage a bunch of guys rolling up to a toll booth. You know, and they, mm. you know, you're sort of waiting for them, and you get this amazing uh, automatic shotgun, and uh, I just love, uh, you know, it seems like they they really push the technology too with getting, um, I don't know, it seems like there's more characters on the screens in Lost and in Lost and Damned. I could be completely wrong about that, but um, just you know, I guess the atmosphere and the overall action on the missions is really what what I liked about it. So you're saying you don't like being a uh, a white biker, Sterling? Maybe not. A Jewish, a, a white Jewish biker. biker. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was just, it kind of, I don't know, I, I guess maybe when I played as Nico, I didn't ride on the bikes as much. Mm-hmm. And occasionally when I did, it was like, okay, cool. I think it was just to get the achievement, to be honest. Right, yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, I did a little dabbling on bikes, but in general, I preferred mm-hmm. cars. And there's something about the bike handling and Lost in the Dam. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a turnoff for me. Huh. And some of the missions I did, it was just kind of like, the missions just, they didn't really... They didn't really do it for me, and I think what it really came down to, maybe it's because every time I played it, it was super late at night, mm-hmm. but I always just kind of felt like I was like, Jesus Christ, am I there yet? Right. I'm driving, I'm driving, and it made me realize, oh yeah, GTA 4 broke me of the whole, like, I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm going to listen to the radio, I'm driving. It was like, no, 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 taxi. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> you know, know a lot of people still that. take taxis. Yeah, and it was just like, it basically, to me, it made Grand Theft Auto manageable, and it was one of those small elements I think a lot of people take for granted, but the ability to skip over, like, the minutia of driving mm-hmm. was like... It's an invaluable asset to why right. GTA 4 is awesome. So, like, go fast back travel. to, like... Fast travel makes things better. Fast mm-hmm. travel always makes things better when you have such a huge, sprawling world. And, like, to go back to, I'm riding my bike, and it was like, okay, oh, wait, I fell out of the little orb, the little hologram symbol thing. Oh, shit, the pacing is off. Let me adjust my brakes. It was just like, man, this is, like, a lot of micromanagement. And these characters are kind of unsympathetic scumbags. And that's why I like Chinatown Wars more, but more on that later. <laughs> right. See, it, it, it's funny though that, that you said you would. Did you prefer Cars and Lost and Damned as well? Because, like, when I played GTA 4 as Nico, you know, I almost exclusively stuck to Cars. But I feel like the bikes that they introduced with the DLC were, um, you know, just gave me the, the the perfect amount of control and acceleration. I, I I never felt like I was flying off of the bikes as much as I was, was as Nico. Maybe they sort of. Stuck some super glue to you or they're something. They're heavy. I mean, that's yeah. a I feel like lot the Lost and the Damned is the only GTA content where I've enjoyed the driving part. Really? Yeah. I just found myself bored with it. And I got the idea, like, I felt like they did a good job tuning Klebitz, like, so that he's, like, a lot heavier. Like, you feel like this is, like, a 260-pound he, guy. He runs slower than Nico does. He runs a lot sprint. slower. Yeah. He's just kind of bulkier. Yeah. And you feel it when you're on the bike, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's definitely, like, Nico is a lot lighter. But when mm-hmm. you get on this, like, you get on this chopper, it's, like, it's it almost feels like it's like a car, kind of, but not quite. It's definitely can take more of a hit than a regular motorcycle. Yeah, they can. Yeah. But, again, it was like, I don't know what it was. I just kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, the irony of listening to, like, Jodeci while I'm shooting a dude in the face. Finally, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm a little over it. Right. I could see that. Um, what else have you been hitting up? Uh, other than that, also, I played a... 
some Left for Dead last night with a couple of listeners who wish to remain anonymous. But uh, wow, why they wish to remain anonymous? I don't know if they asked me. To <laughs> Fair enough. We get a lot of emails from people that are like, "I don't <laughs> want don't you to read my, my name, name on the air." But uh, yeah, they were super fun to play with, and we played through survival mode and um, lasted a good amount of time. I think we lasted up to like six minutes one round, which that's, was that's good. That's yeah, it was pretty good. Like we um, we played in the hospital levels, and uh, and they had a really good technique. They were setting up in this one room. Um, and then, and then we went on to play just some dead anonymous. Air. Though I, I still feel weird about this. Not if we can read Enzo's name on the air, we should be able to read anyone's. So yeah. I got more from Enzo this week. Oh, did way. you? Yeah. You, you, we're not reading the, the the dude that wrote in about Enzo, are we? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I I'd rather not. That guy was kind of not kind of. That guy was an asshole. That's why we read it, and then we tell him he's an asshole. All right. Continue, Tyler. With what, what Left for Dead, you were in the hospital level. You. I was just thinking how, man, the Enzo, that's such a cool fucking name. <laughs> short that's for Vincenzo. Cool... Is it? He yeah. is Italian. Yeah, it's ah. short for Vincenzo. Just sounds fast. Yes, yeah. it does. It's the association. And it sounds like you could do tricks on bikes or something. <laughs> like Endo, you know? He's a free walker. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that, other than that, you know, um, I haven't been playing much. I've been reading a lot of 1984. Because I've never read it. Been yeah. We don't talk about books. That's anyway. a good one to knock off the shame list. Yeah, yeah. It, like I've I've been really like hooked on this book. You know, I don't know. It's weird that I haven't been playing games. That's okay. Yeah. I've uh, I've been playing a little bit of Resistance Retribution for PSP. Nice. Which I found out the way you have to hook it up to a PS3 controller is way more convoluted than you and I thought. Well, you can... So you have to hook it up to a PS2, your PSP. Then you have to insert PS3, a three, you mean? Yeah, and then you have to insert a copy of Resistance Two. Yeah. So it requires all that, and then you can play with. And then it also requires that you have a PSP two thousand. It's least. Resistance Four Swords. So yeah. So yep. I was like, I was, I was like, I was like, fuck That's it. A good so one. I'm never. But I think it's still funny. It actually has like a lock on mechanic that kind of threw me off at first. Like it, auto, it does like the Tomb Raider thing where it's like you just hold down the fire button and it like does the the reticle reticle on the enemy. And at first I thought that was like hardcore cheating, but actually it works really well since you don't have a second analog stick, and it's balanced that way to where it actually feels pretty fair. And it has a cover mechanic as well that works third person fairly well, because the whole game's third person. So, so far I'm actually really digging it. The storyline to me isn't nearly as good as the storyline about, about Nathan in the yeah, first game. I mean, like, playing through it, because I reviewed Retribution, it was like, I feel like mechanically it's fantastic because they built so much on what they'd done with two siphon filter games, which, mm-hmm. they, you know, they worked their best with what they were dealing with on the hardware. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I was playing Resistance 2, and I was like, man, this targeting system is cool. And then the plot started coming in, and the deal breaker was like when it was him and this giant mech thing going, I'm James Grayson, bitch! And I was like, oh my god, shoot me in the face with a fucking Patriot missile. Yeah, that's, the, that's, that's the thing. Is that that's I, really specific. I don't... I don't I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't find the uh, I don't find the character very likable either. He's a douchebag. He's a douche, yeah. And he's not even like a douche like the way like a like I'm trying to think of other games where he played as a douche. The guy from Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed comes yeah. to mind immediately. But, yeah, but like this guy is like a douche, and he just has all these dumb one-liners and he I just don't know, feels and like he, he just feels so committed. cliche. He's just making fun of the French people. He's around the whole time. And yeah. You're just like, all right, you just get tired of him. And yeah, so so. The storyline stuff I couldn't really care less about, but for as far as like a shooter on the PSP goes, it's probably one of the best ones since the Siphon Filter games. So it's actually a lot of fun when I'm just like laying in bed killing time, when I don't play Broken Sword, which is the other game I've still been playing a ton of, which I saw some news article the other day. Apparently they're thinking about turning that into a movie nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it could be. It is, 
they could capitalize. It is about the Knights Templar and shit like that, so they could capitalize on all the stuff that Da Vinci Code has done for that. They'll just wait for the next Dan Brown book to become popular. Well, the next Dan Brown book. The, movie's yeah, the movie is coming. Well, no, the, 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 next, the next Dan Brown book, other, like, book, not movie. So I'm just saying, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a totally awesome game. Still enjoying it. Still has way too many adult themes that come out of nowhere for me that I'm just like, this is a DS game. So I don't know. It's like, in the scheme of mature versus mature that we talked a long time ago, Chinatown Wars may be a mature game in that it has swearing and drugs and stuff, but this is much more of a mature game. It's an towards, adult game. It geared, yeah. yeah, it's a very much an adult game. Like it, when it deals with sex and stuff, it's never overt, but it's like very undertoned and stuff. That in a way that you're like, man, that was clever. So uh, I'm still enjoying that a lot. And then I played Plants vs Zombies, which both of us played, which is uh, I'm man. Go after a while, that that shit really like becomes like Normandy Beach for zombies. Yeah, where they're <laughs> is just it good? Like, Plants vs Zombies is, is really awesome. Good. Fuck. It is pretty much. I don't a know tower how much replay game. value it'll have. It is pretty much like a tower defense game, and. Uh, so I guess, you know, if you've done that, you've done it a lot. But killing zombies is really fun, right. first of all. And any game of zombies in the art direction is, like, super adorable and awesome. And it's 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 got enough going on constantly that it isn't, like, just setting your towers and watching. Like, and just hoping it goes for the best. Because there are different ones you set up that are just, like, a wall that slowly gets eaten. So you'll, like, use that to stall zombies. Which is a walnut. Like yeah, it's a walnut. It's just Spelled a, W-A-L-L dash nut. You know, so and, and you'll have to, like... <laughs> take up certain slots that could be used for guns but you'll use a sunflower yeah, well, and all it does is generates income basically. and eventually you get so many like every for the first 10 levels or so you get new plants right and then eventually you have to pick the seeds you're going to take because you can only take so many seeds you get like you start with six slots and you can buy more slots over time eventually so i mean there is a lot of the lot to it's like what 19.99 i think brand it's new. ten dollars on steam right now ten dollars on steam right now but normally i think off the popcat site it's like it's 20 yeah yeah but it's it's super fun. I mean, eventually, I'm sure, like all PopCap games, it'll hopefully come to the DS because it would be great there using the touchscreen as well or just having the top screen be the battlefield and the bottom screen being your grid of how you put your plants up or something. I almost wonder if there's too much going on on it for it to be on DS. I mean, they might have to adjust it in a, in a way, but I'm just saying as far as it is another game that I think PopCap has another hit on their hands and people give PopCap a lot of shit for like basically just making clones of other games, which to an extent is true. But they just do it so damn well. Mm-hmm. And like, I think this like, is a some like one dude's idea that Popcat picked up and and helped him do. Right, I'm, and I'm and, and it is a perfect example of a game that is awesome because the first time anyone heard about it was like a teaser trailer a month like, ago. A month ago, and here it is now. It's out in retail. It's like I love that. That's how I love it when they market games. I'm like, yeah. Don't don't dick tease me for nine months, especially something and like drip feed me shit. Especially yeah. something like this. Well, yeah, to like be fair, PopCap doesn't have to. One of the reasons that like there's the perpetual gaming cocktease is because publishers have to get retailers excited enough to stock the product and figure out what they're carrying for Christmas. Right. Or, Whereas, doesn't have any yeah, that. digital distribution. Yeah, yeah just they don't have to worry about that. Like they they make a fucking music video of a flower singing about zombies and a month later they release it. Yep. So. Sometimes you need something that weird and you just need to spread it around YouTube. Yeah. Kind exactly. of like the Slap Chop remix. Exactly. Yeah, I hope everyone's seen that Slap Chop remix. Go YouTube that shit. Um, so yeah, I've been playing a little bit of Zombies vs. Plant, Plants vs. Zombies. I will get, like, as soon as we're done with this. I've also still been playing more WoW, which was interesting because I had a guy randomly message me and ask me if I was Anthony from the podcast which was funny because I've never told anyone what server I play on so that just means that this dude was just like I'm gonna add a chuff to my friends list and see if that comes up is this is the right server 
so that was kind of interesting. You were a very nice person the other day offering to help me and telling me all kinds of shit since I, I still don't know all the minutiae of WoW, like, at all. Like, I play a lot, but I'm, I'm like, people can still have WoW conversations that go straight over my fucking head. You should see, you should use the armory to see how many chuffs there are in the wild, so you know how much this so guy far, has. So far, I've never had a problem starting on any server and starting up a chuff. But I do have a funny WoW story in the scheme of things. My friend Ian used to play with us, and he always played a dwarf priest named Grungni, which was the, which is one of the dwarf gods in Warhammer. Um, so anyways, Grungni was his dwarf priest in EverQuest, and then he made a dwarf priest in, in War, Warcraft, and then we all moved servers, and Ian hasn't moved his priest over to our server yet, so he hasn't had to change his name. So my friend Joe wanted to make a dwarf priest named Grungni on that server, but he didn't want to like betray Ian like that. So he called Ian on the phone and asked Ian, like, left him a message, was like, hey, Ian, can I make, make a dwarf priest and name him Grungni? And Ian just sent back a test message that said, you have my blessing, my son. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> so, Why did Joe want to use his character name? Because it's a, it's a badass dwarf name if you played Warhammer. Basically, that was the only reason. There's no good reason beyond that. Huh? So he had to get it sanctioned? He had to get it sanctioned by Ian because it's always been his name. So. I'm surprised someone else hasn't taken it at this point. Yeah, you, well, I mean, there are like 50 WoW servers, so maybe not on that server, because we tend to always try and play on low population servers. Like, whenever they offer a free move, we always take it. So, I kind of like I kind of like playing on the servers where when you see someone, it's like it's like the Wild West, you're like, you stop and you'll be like, hello, stranger. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did I tell you that when I, when I signed up for PSN last week, my handle was taken? Yeah. I was so pissed. That I'm sure no what, the reason your handle was taken is because Arthur just uses... He, his name is just his first name, middle middle initial, last name. But a lot of people probably took it as like a, a play on the spelling of like Aegis, like a shield or something. Yeah. So, I mean... Which is not why he has that name, which... What people well, I mean, it did time. occur to me when I started using it. Right, but I'm just saying it, that, that, that isn't... It's much more simple than that. Yeah, it case. looks more, much more clever... Slash so, dumb than it is. So I, yeah, I haven't been playing uh, much because of WoW and handheld games. I've also been playing iPhone games. Drop Seven. I'll just throw a shout out for that one if you're looking for an iPhone game. Drop Seven. It's an excellent puzzle game. As is uh, Flight Control, which I picked up because I saw Nathan Fillion talking about it on his Twitter. They talked about again. it on Co-op a couple weeks so, ago as well. That's also an excellent game. And uh, what is not an excellent game is the Silent Hill game. Which I picked up just because I love Silent Hill things. Yeah, that's a terrible game. It's terrible. So now that's Origins, right? No, no, no. This is the isn't the the Silent Hill shooter. Origins Uh, is the PSP. That's the PSP one, and that one's actually good. for a PSP game, especially. And uh, but no, this one I forget what it's called. Silent Hill Shattered. No, Shattered Memories is the remake. It's the new one. I don't know. Fuck, okay. it's, it's terrible, though. Some janky shit on iPhone. Silent Hill, Silent Hill money grab. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I bought it, so I contributed to that money grab. I feel the same way about MGS Touch. So I haven't been, yeah, it's, so I haven't been playing very much uh, lately. I'm going to go check out a bunch of new EA games for pre-E3 stuff, so hopefully I'll have something to talk when about. When is that? In tomorrow? Weeks. Yeah, it's tomorrow. So, um, yeah, hopefully there will be more to talk about soon. Uh, what have you been playing, Sterling? Um, I've been playing, God, I, I swore I wasn't going to talk about... I haven't played that game. Yeah, <laughs> I swore I wasn't going to talk about Wolverine anymore, and I'm going to hold myself to that. Like, I finally got the review up. I don't want to talk about Wolverine anymore. Did you, well, did you finish it? 
uh, I got really, really, I got close enough that it was like, all right, I got, a, I got enough of a feel for it. I went through enough like mediocre boss battles Aww. and set pieces so, to be like. So Sterling yeah. talked about that on the Game Spider briefings, where you can see that as well as he talked about extensively on an upcoming, what will be an upcoming episode of Co-op. Also, in addition to, jeez, I'm like, there's so much stuff. It's like in addition to when I was on Listen Up a few Whoa. weeks ago, I believe Patrick Klepik referred to. Uh, we were talking about how. Uh, it wears a lot of influences on its sleeve. Here I go, even though I swore I wasn't going to talk about it. The Weapon X <laughs> facility in particular, you went up to, up to these little laptops and they had like, you know, listen to this log. And I was like, wow, it's Bioshock. And that's crammed up against like a little bit of God of War against something else. And I was like, one of those CDs, like those little cheerleader mega mixes where there's like a sample of like two live crew doing like, don't stop, get it, get it, mashed up against like Britney Spears and like a siren and a dog barking and, then a break. and shit. Are you ready for this? Yeah, are you ready for this? Bam, 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 bam. All that. And then like Klefik goes, Stop it, get it, bro. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and then somebody's shouting out the name of their school and then Klefik goes, oh, it's like Girl Talk. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's it. <laughs> it's like Girl Talk all slammed together and like shot into your veins. So, so uh, what I, what, Nick Sutner seems to think it's a, uh, it's like one of the God's gifts to summer gaming. Like when I was talking to him yesterday, he said it was like excellent. Was the I don't know that I would say excellent. I, there's a whole argument about standards and lowering your standards, but I've very much been of the argument that licensed movie games are like B-movies. Like seriously, do you really expect like a game that was slammed together in nine months to have the same level of quality of like a highly polished... I like, guess that's... That's the difference, though, with the ra- with this one is that Raven was making it before the movie was being made, and that shows to a degree. It, it shows is- to a degree. It's got more polish than your average movie game, but then there's stuff where it's just like they blew it. Like, there's a huge Sentinel fight where you're just basically... It had the potential where I was thinking, oh my god, it'll be like Shadow of the Colossus, where like I can start stabbing at the Sentinel's foot and work my way up, and I was like, am I hurting him? A lot of I it's like quick time events, right? And there's a lot of quick time events, and it's like not just quick time events, but like obnoxious, like carpal tunnel inducing quick time events where you're just like mash, 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 mash. Okay, you know what? I'm going and putting some ice on my thumb. I can't take this <laughs> shit anymore. Like, there's quite a few moments yeah, in the game where it's really a that. shame, too, that. You know, how could you mess up a sentinel battle? Like, you just have Wolverine cl- climbing up the sentinel with his claws, you know? Yeah, it seems I like mean, I don't know you, what it was in that boss there. fight, but it's anticlimactic, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's funny, uh, you you bring up how, you know, the B-movie aspect of it. Actually, the guys I was playing Left 4 Dead with last night, we sort of came to the conclusion that they should use the, the, the Wolverine engine to make, like, a... A Rambo video game. Oh my god! <laughs> For like the new Rambo movie. Oh my god, that would be brilliant. <laughs> like, that's, that's basically the conclusion we came to because of like all the severing limbs and that sort yeah. of. Thing. Oh yeah, all the like severed limb and we like decapitation. The listener was saying like like check this out. He was saying like that a part of the game they should have Rambo run up to somebody he killed and like pull their intestines out and like make a bandana out of their intestines. <laughs> Wolverine just uses Unreal Engine 3. I mean, Gears of War might as well be Rambo at this point. Yeah, but Wolverine very much, like, does more of the limb severing. Yeah, I was just saying with the idea of... And he shows the guy, like, on the ground, like, wriggling, like, trying to move, and he's, like, missing his legs. I'm like, oh, I feel bad. There was definitely some cool stuff they did with, like, I like the lunge effect, because, in a way, you could spam the hell out of it. Yes, you could. You could just sit there and do it over and just travel from guy to guy. Like, lunge, 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 and bounce (laughs) all over the map. But at the same time, it was interesting, because, like, Wolverine's kind of like short-range Kratos, for the most part. 
it's like, yeah, you can get out there and you can like beat the shit out of some dude and rip his head off, but at the same time, you didn't get nearly the distance you could get with like Blades of Chaos. So they added the lunge factor in. And, you know, you started to kind of see how, like, lunge worked, where you didn't just have to lunge at a guy and claw him. You could, like, lunge at him and, like, do, like, the grab move and then, like, fling him at a wall and break his neck. And there's, like, little... There's little subtle things that I liked about it in terms of the combat, and I feel like the combat was the core holding it together. I told Anthony today that, to me, like, Wolverine is, like, having an awesome home theater system in a house in the middle of the fucking hood. (laughs) <laughs> like everything at the center of it is awesome and then everything around it is like oh that's kind of sketchy <laughs> what, what's up with the magic t-shirt every time you level up like well you, you he's wearing that wife beater yeah, you don't like the shred. regenerating wife beater what is that about <laughs> like it just it seems so awkward it just pulled me out well, I leveled up. oh there goes my t-shirt again oh, I, love, okay. I like regenerating wife beater and subsequent power cord were like my favorite two things every time you leveled up it was like full blown like Karang, you leveled up you're Wolverine you know I find it super amusing that I went out to get pizza and you were still talking about the game you said you weren't going to talk about. After I swear to God I was going to talk about it. See how easy it is to coax me into stuff? Other than that... um, um, You can read Sterling's review now at GameSpy.com. It should be up. It should be up. Um, Actually, listening to you talk about iPhone games, Anthony, makes me feel slightly guilty because I downloaded Drop7 and it's kind of been sitting there, but like, given the choice between... like playing drop seven and playing how much crazy shit's going on on twitter before i go to bed i always find myself inevitably twitter wins it's funny you just need to try it i mean drop seven is like one of those games that i wasn't sure about nick sutner turned me on to it and uh but now whenever i sit down and play it i always play it for like way longer than i thought i would tyler tried tried it right i mean Mm -hmm. definitely yeah it's i mean it's it's one of those games where you want to keep playing you know it's like a it's got all the classic like puzzle tropes of Pretty sounds and you know, and it's only two ninety nine on sale. It's Ooh, two, yeah, it's, 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 it's two ninety nine and it's like ten meg download. It's so small. I don't know. It's just it's just like one of those iPhone apps that's like to me. It's like a if you're gonna only pay for a few iPhone apps, it's like so worth it. And it's one of those games where you compare high scores. Yeah, know? exactly. So me, cool. me and Nick compare high scores all <laughs> yeah. the time. So yeah, I mean, in general, I think the other thing is um, Chinatown Wars has kind of like destroyed everything else for me. Because, you know, I on PSP, I keep saying, oh, you know, like, I've been meaning to download Patapon 2. I mm-hmm. liked the first Patapon. Me too. A lot of my peers seem like, like, I think a lot of people missed Patapon. And so it's like, oh, like, everybody's discovering this game for the first time. And so there seems to be, like, this whole, oh, my God, Patapon! I'm like, that's cool. You know, I reviewed Resistance Retribution, and it was good up until the point where I was, like, this the deal-breaking douchebag hero. And then I get to, like, Chinatown Wars, and I'm like, wow, the hero in Chinatown Wars is arguably a bigger asshole than the guy in Resistance Retribution. But, oh, my God, this is the best rendition of Drug Wars I've ever seen in a game. Nice, yeah. It's like I'm in seventh grade again. It's just like, oh, man, just... The whole, like, the way the ecology works with, like, how everything, like, this pool of, like, you gotta go up to, like, whatever, like, fake Harlem is to go get, like, some acid from this dude that's outside the projects to, like, sell it to, like, fake Little Italy to, like, get something there. And it's just, like, the way it all bounces off of each other, it's really tight. I love how it looks. I'm a sucker for cel-shaded games on the DS. I was probably the last person who, like loved a Tony Hawk game when everybody else gave up on it because I was playing the hell out of them on DS. Like, Proving Ground and Skateland are, like, totally, in my opinion, like, 
under very underappreciated games for what they did and like Chinatown Wars just like grabs that aesthetic and runs with it Sterling but can I ask you something like did did the traversal method I mean like the driving with this uh, you know isometric camera did yeah. that bug you at all I mean that was really starting to irritate me like I was trying to go from place to place and drive around you know to complete missions and I was just like I can't really see that far ahead so I can't really drive as well as I'd like to See, I felt like it was more forgiving. That's what I liked. Like, I felt like the, the car handling in Chinatown Wars was significantly more forgiving than anything on the PSP, which they were going off of, like, the Grand Theft Auto 3 school of, like, clunky-ass driving. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely, in a lot of ways, more forgiving. It was like they had driving assist kind of turned on. So there was ways, when you got a police chase going and you could, like, weave through traffic, even if you couldn't necessarily see where you were going, like, it was so much more, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas police chases that you do in GTA 4 it's like oh oh, how the hell am I going to get these guys off my back whereas Chinatown Wars they turn into a mini game everything's like a mini game so cops are chasing you figure out a way to make them like eat it against like a guardrail or something and I thought that was much cooler yeah. when you get rid of the cops was actually making them crash yeah I thought that was like a fantastic way to reduce your stars it's more fun and it's just like exhilarating once you get that sense of speed and you can actually weave between cars without like completely wrecking out like there was a lot of that that I liked. I could understand how it would be an issue, but then you can even turn on like GPS so that you even had the arrows indicating. Yeah, I didn't even know safely. that was there when I saw a video with that there. I was like, oh, I should have just yeah. You gotta dig. You gotta dig into the options and try that. But that's like an invaluable asset for playing the game. Like I'm sure there's people who you know said, well, you know, why do you have to turn on GPS to like enhance the experience? But no, it really does. Like. Why not have it there? Well, it helps, too, because you don't have to keep, you know, glancing over to the mini-map and then risking a crash. That's another thing that kind of, again, was really, like, bugging me about playing that game. Mm -hmm. I was just like, it's on a separate screen. I've got to glance up. Oh, I just crashed into something again. I think in particular what I love the most about Chinatown Wars was um, you can really see the difference in terms of handheld GTAs between, like, pre-GTA 4 and, like, post-GTA 4. And so when you played through Liberty City Stories, when you played through Vice City Stories, they weren't really games that were tailored towards a genuine handheld experience. You're in the middle of like a long convoluted mission that you'd normally do on the PS2, and all of a sudden, it's your stop. You're like, okay, let me put my PSP to sleep. When you get back on, wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing, like, whatever's going on, you flip it back on. Oh, fuck, why do I have a three-star rating? Oh, shit, they're about to kill me. I'm going to get busted. i blow the whole mission. Ah! Whereas... When do it all again. Do it. You're wasted. God damn fuck it. Fuck your checkpoint. Exactly. Hi, UMD. Meet the wall. Bam. And... When you're playing it on DS, everything really lends itself to the DS. It's like they learned a lot from doing that. It's bite-sized missions, but the G- like the GPS structure, the way they manage like your life meter, and again, the thing I love the most, the taxi system, is all crammed in there. And it really, really shines on handheld. It's just a damn shame that it's not selling very well, well at all. you know, I mean... I think I'm the only person in this room that bought it, though. Yeah. I bought it. Okay. Bought it. All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sucks that it's not... It definitely sucks that it's not selling. I'm hoping it'll catch on, but, you know, it's kind of weird, like, watching all these... Normally, I don't really get super into, like, the business analyst stuff, because I feel like following too much business analysis, NPDs is, like, sports shit, and... I watch soccer. That's enough for me. But, like, when you get down to it, everybody seems to be going nuts about GTA, and it's like a chicken or egg scenario where everybody's like, why did it fail? Is it because the DS is, like, too much of a kid's platform, or is it because, you know, people are tired of GTA or this or that? And there's no easy answer, but I kind of feel like the DS is so mainstream that, in a way, you know, 
What was the marketing as big it, as like GTA I don't think 4? it was. It wasn't I, nearly as big. But it didn't need to be. I mean, no, there are so many DSs out there. And I mean, GTA is one of the most highly visible franchises out there. I think that's one of the reasons why people expected it to do well. That's why it was a test. You know, not to jump into anecdotal evidence, but it also makes me wonder, like, how many GTA, like, how many hardcore, like, GTA gamers have a DS? And when I say hardcore, not just, like, hardcore gamers, but the kind of people who, like, buy... Three games a year, like they'll buy. And it's they GTA buy Madden. is one of them. Yeah, yeah they buy Madden, Madden they GTA, buy GTA and, and a shooter, yeah, which is either Halo or Call of Duty yeah, Four. Exactly. I'm gonna bet those guys have a PSP before they have a DS. Precisely. Mm-hmm. If I gotta go with any kind of hypothetical scenario, I'm gonna go with it's probably because of that. But I mean, did I don't recall Liberty City Stories or Vice City Stories setting the world on fire with their sales? They did one of the greatest hits though. Liberty City yeah. Stories is still the uh, highest selling PSP game. How many copies is that? Over two million. Oh, well, that's... I mean, for a PSP game, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, uh, yeah, and, and Grand Theft Auto's always been one of those franchises. Like, they, it, it'll sell strong until the next one comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And even beyond that sometimes. Well, but, you know, actually, now, one quick thing I should say. I'm hoping that, like, with the push for uh, digital distribution, if they do announce another GTA on PSP, I hope to God it's downloadable. I really do. That'd <laughs> be good. Maybe go top down. Yeah, I mean, there'd be an argument. I'm sure somebody'd say that's impossible because you can't stream it off the disc, whatever. But like, I just want to see those damn games. Like, I want to see people playing stuff on PSP again. Like, buying stuff on PSP to play it. Well, this year will be make or break for PSP with Indeed. all the, with the software push. Yeah, I think it'll be make, make, crossing fingers and toes. So, what have you been hitting up, Jose? Um, I recently played uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, again. I finished it the second time. I mean, welcome back to June 2008. Hey, I've I've still never beaten it, so. I'm on the last chapter, and it lost me. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot has to do with just how heavy-handed the narrative, or at least how they try to deliver so much narrative. I mean, those cutscenes are so long, and... But, I mean, it makes sense, right? This is the last of that Solid Snake storyline. It's got to be big. It's got to end, you know, with a big bang. So they're going to, you know, do everything they can to just make it a big experience. But this time, I I played it on a higher difficulty. So when I first played um, Metal Gear Solid 4 last year, I played on normal. And it goes back to something you said earlier, where normal is the new easy. Yeah. And I just when I when I put the controller down, it was all over. I was like, oh, this is it was a it was big and it was you know it was it was definitely Metal Gear, but something didn't feel right. So I went back after uh, we were at GDC. You remember when we saw the Kojima keynote? And I was oh, like, right. you know, I want to go back. I want to see what hard difficulty is like. I want to see if that really affects it. And what a difference that difficulty makes when you play that game like on normal you can get into a firefight and you can uh, basically just hold down one spot and just wave after wave enemies enemies come at you and you're just like ah i got this i got this and it doesn't feel like a stealth game anymore you play on hard you have to play it like a stealth game like there are certain portions certain rooms where it's like you better not make a fucking peep because they are going to find you just whittle your health down just just make it so difficult like some rooms dying four five six times it's like man that's that's what i liked about metal gear solid 4 was a broader sort of set of options to take on the game as opposed to this very narrow did did you feel like it was broader though or did you feel like it was more like you just turned into action game the whole time though that's Uh, what i thought i heard a lot of people complain about in act three it it puts the brakes on i think it was really like jarring for a lot of people what happens in act three when you have to do that you know you have to follow that guy around it's okay Oh, yeah. Well, in Act 3, I mean, I 
I thought that that I I thought that whole part of Act Three, the part where you're following the guy in the streets, I didn't enjoy it at all. But I did the part. The only part where I used stealth and enjoyed it was Act Four mm. in in the factory against robots as opposed yeah. to against people. But I I I don't feel like I, and again, this is something that people got mad at me for saying before. I don't feel like Metal Gear has done a good job of using stealth mechanics since Metal Gear Solid One. And a lot of that is because there are games that have come out since then that have done stealth in a much more compelling, much more organic way. But you gotta admit, with Metal Gear Solid 4, like, it definitely was the most splinter-celled Metal Gear. Like, I mean, they did borrow ideas. I mean, let's look at that. You know, the over-shoulder shoulder, shoulder aiming uh, when he's crouching and he can, you know, walk through the environment. I mean, they, I felt they borrowed the right ideas from the right games. I just think that if you were someone who's played Metal Gear and you played it on normal, it just kind of felt like the stealth wasn't... You had to hide because you couldn't progress the story. Not because you really had to hide and the enemies can come out and just, you know, kill you really quick. And that was something that the older games, uh, maybe, you know, the MSX stuff, you know, did really well. Where, like, if you came out or if you got spotted, you know, you were killed, like, really, really quickly. Um, and it just kind of lost that because it got easier. I mean, I'll I definitely agree that- with you on that point. I felt like Sons of Liberty was really punishing in terms of, uh, you know, if you're out there causing a lot of noise and getting a lot of uh, attention from the guards, it was really hard to sort of bounce back and, and get your ground again, almost almost like the way you're describing hard yeah. for four. Well, yeah, and but, Act 5 was the one that, like, blew me away because, like, when you... So Act 5, if you remember how that starts, where you land on, um, what is it, Outer Haven? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was called, that big... Thing that came out of water. I know the, the, the story could be the so crazy. Yeah, that's that's that With yeah. the worst, the worst idea for a boarding operation oh, God, ever. Yeah, let's yeah. slingshot people onto the deck of a moving ship and see how well that works. Yeah, <laughs> sounds sounds genius. And so I landed, and like on normal, you know, it was just okay. Take out the biggest weapons you have and just kill everything until you get to that door, and that's it. Like again, it was like stealth was just an afterthought. On hard, you try that, you will die, and you will die quick. Like, the gecko, once you see one of them, they're just going to take you out so fast. It's like, okay, how am I going to get through this? And then it it becomes that stealth game where it's methodical, and you have to be uh, very careful with the moves that you uh, you take advantage of and what you try to do to traverse just from one end of this boat to the freaking other. And that, like, just blew my mind. I was like, it's a stealth game again. I'm actually enjoying this, even though it is frustrating in some respects to get killed so easily i mean is it a stealth game again or is it just that they're the only way to trial and error your way through the level is to try to use the stealth mechanic uh i think there's some of that too i mean i'll i'll, I'll definitely say that it's definitely like it becomes trial and error but uh, again like then you look at the level design and you see okay well i've got to use this catwalk to then move down towards this area stop here you know check where all the guards are then go to the next section mm-hmm. like it's a lot i feel that the level design is still open enough that you can find different pathways even though it's one contained section and that is something i appreciate about act one about act two and about part of act five i think in three when you're just it, it just put the brakes on a little too hard and i think that yeah, surprised a lot to of me people. three they were just trying to it it was more of them trying to express a tone than anything gameplay you know for like three didn't the act three didn't bother me at all like i loved the fact that he was in a trench coat you know like i've you know i've been subscribing to gq for like four years so like you know just like loving like oh you looking pimp i guess if you look <laughs> carefully when you're playing act three you can see the thing following you too like the thing that the the hand the eyeballs with hands that are that oh, boast yeah. in if you look really closely apparently you do see them following you hmm 
Spoilers. It's been a while for me. So. It's been a, it's been like a, a, a more than, almost a year since the game came out. Comes out. It'll be a, it'll be a year at the month. end of next month. Yeah. yeah. See, and I think the reason I picked it up again is because I, I recently just realized that I'm just playing a lot of games that I'm buying just to get through them that first time. Like, do you notice that you just kind of like you're playing either that Fallout or you're playing. Uh, Especially know, if Gears. you play games as much as all of us do. Yeah. That ends up it's happening because you're like, I need to get through it. Yeah, so. and it's a one-time deal. And I look at like when I was a big fan of movies, how that second time, that third time, you know, you just you, you, certain, you pull certain things different mm-hmm. this time where you're, you're willing to try different things, at least in games. In movies, I felt that you just absorb something different or you notice something different. And I think certain games that extends to, definitely not all of them. Because there's certain games that's just game, so linear. Games have a harder time maintaining a multi-layered experience that way than movies do, and for a while, so a lot of especially campaign or single-player type games, like it, it blows its wad like upon that initial playthrough. Yeah, I just I wanna I wanna like revisit some of the games that I've played in the past and just say, okay, you know, it's been a it's been a while, it's been six months, it's been a year, and just like try that experience again and just see how different it feels now. And, you know, sometimes it's obviously not going to work. But the problem with, you know, or at least the problem we have, you know, being the gamers that we are, is that we don't always have that time. You know, like Metal Gear can be a a real long game, especially if you watch those cutscenes. I mean, forget it. Right. I love Kojima crazy, but the craziness that's viewed. That's how I feel about 3. Like, 3 is one of those games where, like, I really wanted to go back to it. And I'm like, how long did it take me to play through that? And like, I remember I had to burn through that a long time ago, and I was like, I didn't have much time, so I started playing on it and like easy, and it still <laughs> took me like twenty two hours to get all the way through it. That is, that that's, is a long like, holy game. Holy shit! Yeah. It's a long game, and it's like so epic and it's so good, but god damn, twenty two hours on yeah. easy. I mean, that's one reason why I don't play through Bioshock again is because it's so long. Like, yeah, yeah, Bioshock only took me like eight hours. I, I played through Bioshock in about, I think it's got, I mean, I don't remember keeping track. It's probably felt like it was about 10 or 12. But I feel like when I played through the first time, it was like a 16-hour game. Yeah, I've just been kind of like, I, the idea of playing through Bioshock again is appealing, but the reality is that I'm probably going to be playing something else very, very soon. Yeah, I want to go back to Bioshock too, but that, it just creeped me out. I was like, I don't know if I can, I like, I got to be in the mood for this, because this is going to scare me for a consistent, what, 20, 25 hours or whatever. So you're going to... Hitting up anything outside of Metal Gear Solid, or has that been pretty much um, consuming I, your times? Uh, it's been consuming my time for for the most part. I mean, I also played. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Rhythm Heaven. Actually, I finally decided to to take that on, and I have to say, some of that game like will just make you crazy. Like you're gonna want to throw your DS against the wall because it's just so it's so hard. Like it, like you really have to have a sense of rhythm. And some of the mini games. Are you saying, like, are you the, saying that you don't have a sense of rhythm? I'm saying I have your only porta, so your much. Your portachlorian count just went down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I only have so much because, like, take a... Uh, you, I mean, you reviewed this, Sterling. Take yeah. a lockstep. Uh, Good God. There's so I many... Heard, many I heard games. the ping pong one is especially hard. The ping pong one, I hate it. Oh, yeah. God, I hate it. Yeah. Like, that is, the, like, the one mini game. There's been a few. I think I was saying this when we were recording... Uh, the debriefings yesterday like I straight up that's the only game I've ever taken the stylus and thrown it across the room yeah like I got so pissed off playing that game but it's good yeah. it's just that like it's punishing and it's punishing in like that old school Japanese game like you're not good enough practice more fuck you is it really even an old school Japanese thing I, I think there's still a lot of Japanese games that are extremely punishing in a very arbitrary and heavy handed <laughs> way <laughs> There are, but I think that like, like Lost Planet comes to mind. Oh, you're knocked down. You're going to stay on the ground for a while, and we're going to keep hitting you. It just really evokes like 
it just really evokes this kind of classical feel and fuses it with like it's almost like WarioWare where it's just like a less frenetic WarioWare in a way until the remixes yeah yeah. and then the remixes come along and you're like oh shit this is the guys who made WarioWare and it's like yeah. everything, fuck those guys it's like oh everything that was kicking your ass before well you get it in two second doses bitch yeah. and like that's what they throw at you and it's just like oh you didn't you weren't good at this one fuck you oh you weren't good at this one fuck you oh this one yeah you did okay next one fuck you and it's yeah. just like continuous like bam 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 but then like there's a couple of them where it's just like it sinks in and you get it and it's like it's fantastic. For some reason, the lizard one was the one I got really good at. See, I was actually really bad at that one. I like the – do you remember a Frog Hop? The one where you're like that background singer uh, – yeah, background yeah, yeah. dancer and yeah, that frog yeah. band. I thought that was really funny. Um, and it's just so weird how like it, it's very WarioWare, like the charm of it and definitely the art aesthetic. And you know, I, I really find that I'm liking it. I finally finished the sixth remix. And I'm like, okay, now some extra stuff showed up, like the extra side parts of screens. So I'm like, okay, I want to try this out. Um, outside of that, uh, when I was at Namco, I played some Tekken. Uh, Are you a Tekken fan? I mean, I was at, at one point, but not like that 10-hit combo fan, just that guy who like played it. Are you a fan enough one. that like when you opened up your Namco gift bag and saw your fucking uh, faceplate and... Uh shrine picture to like add to your hair doll collection like you were really excited not so much no <laughs> no um but I, I it just bugs me out because they bring a build for us to see and you know we're all there members of uh the press you know ready to write up the game and there's four characters in it out of 40 yeah i heard somewhat the giant bomb guys were bitching about that too i mean they they were talking about it's a fucking arcade game that's been out forever and everyone yeah. has seen every character why would you only let us pick four you're restricting yeah. us i want to play as the michael jackson looking motherfucker and you guys won't let me do yeah. it What's and they've never dropped the character like the the character select screen is huge i was like am i gonna have to unlock this is this gonna be like uh all, all the complaining that went on after street fighter 4 where it was like oh i gotta unlock bosses oh characters again oh capcom kind of learned their lesson because marvel versus capcom 2 on xbox and psn is going to have all characters unlocked right off the bat yeah so i think they figured out that ain't gonna fly anymore maybe namco is listening i hope namco's listening i mean please like it's there's so many it's 30 plus don't don't make people have to unlock all that of course, I'm, there's the fans that will, but yeah. But come I'm on. trying to remember because it's been so long. I downloaded Dark Resurrection when it came out on PSN two years ago, and like, I'm not really into Tekken. Like, I tried it out just because I was like, "Oh, cool, it'll be downloadable. Let's see how it looks." And then I remembered why I don't like Tekken. But I'm trying to remember if all the characters were unlocked. I'm sure somebody's gonna email you guys and be like, "Yeah, they were all unlocked, dumbass," or they weren't. But fuck that I guy. Can't remember. I can't completely. In I can't completely. I feel like at this point, if you don't like a Tekken, if you don't like, if you haven't liked Tekken before, it's safe not to play Tekken again. You know, it's interesting like though. It's like Soul Calibur kind of like weaned me back in, and like also last year when I was at TGS, we were at Namco headquarters, which weirdly looks like a fucking spaceship for launching Gundams or something. It looks like a stage <laughs> from Tekken. It's ridiculous. No, seriously, you go inside the building, and I was like, wow, like if I were on the top floor, I could punch a dude, he'd go through the glass, and land on the floor. Oh, wrong fighting game. But mm. when you go, like, I sat there at the machines when they were showing off, um, oh, what was the name of it? Like, I think it was like Bloodline Rebellion or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's that it. Wrong. But it was like, I was like messing around with the crazy dude with the Swedish name and the big red cape who looked like, what's his face from, um, what's the show? Takeshi's Castle. The guy at the beginning, he was basically dressed like that dude and all red. And then I was playing, and then it was like the 
Miguel, the Spanish guitarist guy, who I'm convinced somebody was like hungover after drinking all night and saw like Desperados on TV and were like, oh my god, it's a new character! And pitched it the next day at the meeting. I've got the best person! Like, just running through those characters. I had a streak going. And it was bizarre because I suck at Tekken. I don't know if that means that the other of my fellow gaming press members suck worse than me at Tekken, but I was like, damn, I'm getting like a sense of confidence here. Like, I'm whooping people's ass. Maybe I got this Tekken thing all wrong. I think it was more like a... uh... The let the Wookiee win situation because <laughs> you're you're a fairly large man. That has and so I think when you roll when you rolled in there and sat next to them, they're like, oh shit. All those, those fools know me. No, they know. Tekken is a kind of mashing friendly fighter, though, isn't it? I mean, it, other than if you're Eddie Gordo, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny because it is totally mashy, and at the same time, when you watch somebody like unleash a gorgeous combo, it's like, goddamn, I couldn't have done that. Yeah, I'm sure high-level play is pretty ridiculous if you see it, like two high-level players doing it. I don't think it's as beautiful as watching Virtua Fighter, but I think that's because Virtua Fighter... Virtua Fighter is like a martial art. Yeah, Virtua Fighter, like the bar of entry is so high that when you watch somebody like snap out like amazing Virtua Fighter combos, like if you've played VF, you can totally appreciate it. You're like just, wow. (laughs) All right, so I guess we'll uh, take a quick break. And then we'll be back uh, with the second segment that is going to be shorter than normal, but that's okay because right now you just got hit with over an hour of games we've been playing anyways. So eat that, bitches. the second segment it's Tyler still eating his pizza the rest of us away from the mic try not to munch too much that's good Um, so we're going to talk about some times in our or I guess the time in our life when we kind of walked away from games which at least for me and Tyler does seem to be around that time when it was like high school and we had hobbies yeah that were productive yeah skateboarding physically active all that kind of shit that was it for me. Yeah, like it was starting like bands, skateboarding, music, stuff like that. I, okay, so why don't you tell the story instead of just naming off bulleted? That's points. what I'm saying. So like when I got into like junior high, it was like uh, start. I think we should just throw out a bunch of nouns. Just so a word Skate, associate the whole skating. thing. This is new journalism. <laughs> but yeah, it was just I uh, started skateboarding and and uh, had friends who encouraged me to be more in, more into girls than caring about any of that other shit. Like sitting in my room playing video games by myself. And it was kind of like that time uh, the Super Nintendo had faded out, and the 64 was kind of in, but I played like a couple of 64 games. Sorry, Sterling just had to battle a moth. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I played some 64, but it was like such a more of a cursory thing. Like, all me and my friends did it was like after skateboarding, we would all play a little bit of Goldeneye. I was about to say, but like, you we- say Nintendo 64 and friends. Exactly. Like, we played some Goldeneye, but none of us were like really into games. Like, for me, I think what pretty much brought it back, though, was, like, a... I mean, I guess we still played games, but, like I said, they were more, like, a social thing. But the game that all brought us back into, like, hardcore gaming, at least for me and my friends, was uh, the original Resident Evil when it came out. 
because like none of us had ever played a game like that that actually scared us. I remember it was like an event. We'd all get together to play it and be scared together and take turns of who had to play like when someone pussied out basically and couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> I was hardcore. I mean, I even rented a PlayStation so that I from a video store so I could play it. And I was too scared to play it by myself, so it was like the most wasted like thirty dollar rental of my life. Not at all. I did the same thing, except back then I didn't realize that like Playstations needed memory cards. Oh. And the video store was like Oh yeah, the guy at the video store didn't give a shit, so he didn't tell me I need to rent a memory card alongside my game and my console. And so I got all the way to the giant snake you had to fight to get the diamond, I think. And I died. And I didn't have a memory card. So I lost everything. Fuck. That was a painful PlayStation console rental, I remember. You just made me think of that, and I was like, oh, painful memory. It's like forced rage quit. <laughs> yeah. that That's more like sorrow quit, I think. <laughs> yeah. So what was the... What, why did you give it up, Tyler? Well, for me, you know, it was just uh, a combination of, you know, the girls around me started growing boobs, and... <laughs> <laughs> and I started. The boob harvest came in, and I didn't have time for games. And uh, and at the same time, you know, started really getting into like skateboarding and music. And uh, but the game that really brought me back was um, when my buddy lent me his PlayStation One and the Zone of Enders demo of Metal Gear Solid. Wait, that's PlayStation Two. I get what you. What mean. did the what what? Oh no, the first PS One demo came with PlayStation Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Correction. Uh, yeah, Zone of Enders had a demo. Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. Yes, Zone of Enders had, yeah. What but the demo I played was definitely Metal Gear, and uh, and from that point I was like, fuck this, like, I, gotta get a, I gotta get a PlayStation, I gotta go buy this game as soon as it comes out, and from then on I pretty much watched new release lists and um, renewed my subscription to all my magazines, and, uh, you know, that was it. It really was Metal Gear, completely. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I had other times in my life when I kind of walked away from games, too. Like, even for a while, my Super Nintendo, I didn't really care, because all I played was Mortal Kombat 2 with my friends. Hmm. And then the game that brought me back then was uh, Donkey Kong Country, because Nintendo shipped me a fucking VHS cassette, like, promo video, for randomly being, like, I don't even know why. Like, why I randomly got selected for that. It was just, it came in the mail randomly, and I watched it, and I was like, I will buy Donkey Kong Country the day it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. They, yeah, I remember that promotional video. One of my friends got it, too. Yeah, it was random. I didn't subscribe to Nintendo Power mm-hmm. or anything like that. There was no reason for me to get it. Did you it ever just, register your copy of a game? Maybe. At some point, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't even remember. I don't know. I, I remember I definitely registered my Sega Genesis, though, because when I bought my Genesis, there was some crazy deal going on where you like got like a game for free, and the game I ended up getting was a... like. What is that game like? Eternal Warriors or something? Eternal Champions. Oh, Champions. Yeah. Oh, dude, you throw yeah. the guy into the dinosaur's mouth and he chew him up. How did shit? it work? But I, <laughs> sure. I was going to say, but how did you know how to do that? Because you had to land them no in very specific guys. parts with a certain kind of move. That yeah, was like dude. the was that like... was like one of the original console games with the straight up environmental kill. Wait, yeah. did, did you find out how to do I'm that by pulling like a cheat line? No, I read it in a magazine. Yeah, see, that was the thing. I didn't. I didn't. I never subscribed to those magazines, so I only got lucky to buy them at a store randomly and talk my parents into it so i remember distinctly like since there wasn't internet and guides like i used to be like kind of into playing in the arcade uh what was that really terrible fighting game with the dinosaurs Primary. 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 i used to i remember i <laughs> i probably somewhere in my parents house have drawn in marker primal rage guides for how to do moves 
because I, I wrote it out by hand so I could remember. I think Shit. it'd be hilarious for you to go through your archives and find that one where like the thing could like piss on the other guy and dissolve him. I'd like to see your crayon-drawn rendition of that one. That would be pretty hilarious, I'm sure. I'd like to see him do it now. Yeah, I mean, he would probably look about the same. Uh, my artistic ability has not improved with age. Dude, draw so. it and twit-pick it. I, I, I'll have to do that. Yeah, that was I was I was guess I was always into the shitty fighting games like Mortal Kombat and uh, no, I'm not having any of that Street Fighter Primal Rage. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't really play Street Fighter, but I did play Primal Rage. Fuck oh, man, where are these mods coming from? I, I bought Clay Fighter. Oh wow! I, I always remember that. the theme song, like, Clay Fighter, Clay Clay Clay, Clay, Clay Fighter. Yeah. Yes. It could be worse. You could have bought Rise of the Robots. Ooh, yeah, that's true. See, I'm sorry. I know you said no Street Fighter, but this just reminds no, me. Dude, that. No, dude, I love Street Fighter. I was mocking that I was the dumbass that didn't play oh, Street Fighter. No, no. Okay, See, this is a running thing because my fucking sister can do a Dragon Punch, and Anthony has no idea. Oh. What? 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 Oh. <laughs> you can't do a Dragon. It's like what? Down forward. You playing with a pad? Down forward something. Forward, quarter forward, circle. down, down, forward. Yep. You fucking wretch. They got it. Now that this discussion, Just grab, grab. Like, do you have a copy of Street Fighter Four? No. Yes. Arthur has a copy. Of Street I, Street have, Street I have it for three hundred and sixty, and he has a PS three version. No, no, no. The PS three. Remember, I gave it to you because I said oh. I would never play it. That's right. Oh damn, that bums me out because I was going to open that up. You guys just reminded me when I was picking high schools as, as an eighth grader. Uh, they they had uh, the school that I was looking at had this VHS, and I popped it in. It was from like you got to pick high schools. Yeah, yeah, I got to. Well, I went to a private school. Where did okay. you go? Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. did you grow up? Uh, the Bronx, uh, Bronx, New York, and uh, I, I decided to settle on this uh, small school in Parkchester. I actually ended up teaching at, but that's a whole different story. I'm not going down there. But the the VHS uh, when I put it in, you know, showed the school whatever. But the thing that stood out to me when I was watching that video was they had a Street Fighter II arcade machine in the lunchroom. Whoa! So that and was I was sold just like, wow. yeah. yeah, I was sold. I was like, Ma, I'm applying. This is it. Who doesn't that sell? Fuck, I, even if you didn't like video games, they have a fucking video game in the lunchroom. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shit, I'd take Street Fighter over like a bunch of soda machines. To me, like the coolest appeal of college was the fact Cheetos. that they had rec rooms and like arcade cabinets and like uh, arcades at school. Oh yeah. Like Love that was the thing. Like I remember like, I guess, like I went to college in Atlanta and I'm pretty sure like at the time, like Georgia State University was like the place where you went to like play Marvel versus Capcom at that point. Like the, that's how UC Davis was. Yeah, UC the Davis. only arcade games in UC in in the city of Davis, I think, are at UC Davis. Well, not but not specifically like there. You could always play most of them except for the Marvel versus Capcom games. Always had a line at them. Like any time I went down to there. So, but I. Uh, when did you when did you stop playing games? I think there were like a couple periods where I slowed down a little bit. Um I think the the transition from Genesis and Super Nintendo to Saturn and PlayStation See, that's was pretty much the gap, I slowed yeah, down. Where I kind of stopped. Cuz I was such a Sega kid and like seeing the Saturn I wanted it so bad and it was so expensive. Like that was the point where How much was it back then like it, $600? It was 400 dollars at launch. Um, wow. 1995 money is, yeah. is a lot. Right. That's, That's a lot more than giant enemy crabs. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Um, and I mean, you had to buy controllers, and the games were expensive, and it was just. I mean, I remember playing some games then. Like, I still have fond memories of Guardian Heroes, even though it's not that good. Mm -hmm. um, and Panzer Dragoon, and and some other crazy shit. And I also rented a Saturn more than once, um, and wasted my time with Robotica. I don't know it's if okay, I else. rented a Sega Saturn, or no, I rented a Sega CD so that I could play Sewer Shark, 
So if we're, if we're talking wow. about wasted time. No, Anthony wins. No, at least it wasn't Night Trap. Yeah, well... <laughs> No, you know what? Night Trap at least occupies like a place in the video game pantheon is like something that people remember. Sewer Shark is like, oh, that game. And no one remembers anything else about Sewer Shark. Weirdly, yeah, I kind of remember Sewer Shark. And then I remember like the remakes your own crisscross and Marky Mark and the Funky <laughs> yeah. videos. And CC Music Factory. CC Music Factory. Yeah, get ready to wince out there, internet. <laughs> that you thought you had it in the memory hole. You don't Man. anymore. Um so I fell out a little bit then because like money was tight and those things were fucking expensive and I, I made it I made it a point to play a few games like I definitely played through Symphony of the Night and I tried to play Final Fantasy 7 and really didn't like it and, and stuff like that um, when Dreamcast came out I got super stoked and was and bought a fuck ton of games over the course of that console's life and then when it died I became very sad and then uh, I didn't get back into games from like I kind of fell out around 2000 and then around i didn't get back into him until 2001 when i picked up halo Hmm. and halo sort of rekindled my love of games and after that like i've i've been pretty hardcore into it like i i think i bought more games for 360 than i bought for any platform before though i don't know what that is i don't feel like i'm the first person you have money maybe i mean it could be the disposable income but i don't know i don't think i'm the only one that's that's that way though Again, I think it's because people have money, and I do think that's what it is. We're in a generation with disposable income now. Yeah, as you get older, you actually do. And you know, it's funny, as you were mentioning, like, your gap, it totally feels like that was where I came in. It was like, I think everybody had that, like, that wall, and it was exactly at that point in the mid-90s when all the new hardware was coming out, everything was going disc-based, except Nintendo, of course. Mm -hmm. And, like, you were still stuck in 16-bit, and you're like, man, I want a PlayStation, but, like... Either, like, you were still in high school, or in my case, like, I, my lull was, it was really short, and it was only, it was, like, I don't know. It feels, like, longer than it was, like, looking back. But it's, like, when I think about it, there was never a lull. Like, I've been gaming all my life. And it's just, like, it's a matter of, like, how fanatically, maybe, is the varying degree. But it was, like, when I didn't have, when I had my Genesis, and I went to college, and, like, I didn't immediately go out and like buy a PlayStation or anything like that. Back when I was still being like a good student and trying to get a 4.0, like there wasn't any of that. It was like if I wanted to go game, I'd just go hit the arcades and like bust out some Marvel versus Capcom. But it got to the point, I guess it was sometime around like fall of 98 where it was like the combination of like Parasite Eve, Metal Gear Solid, and I'm totally ashamed to say it, but uh, don't be ashamed. WWF Warzone, dude. The WWF games for the 64. For that real. was it. And WCW games were some of my favorite games to play. No joke. They yeah. were fantastic. Those are like this. There's been nothing that's ever touched it since. So. But yeah, those were. That was like the unholy trinity that sold me on getting a PlayStation. And ever since then, like it's never stopped. So it was like, okay, eventually got an N64 to play wrestling games, and then like a year and a half later, it was like, okay, I'm getting a dream because I wasn't one of the people as an early adopter. I think you were a better man than me about that, Arthur. Personally. What about the Dreamcast? The Dreamcast, because I was one of those scavenging bastards that waited till they were fifty bucks and then sw- swooped in to get like Street Fight, like to get like Third Strike and Marvel versus Capcom, and just played it because it was such a strong system for two D fighting games. So that was like exactly what I swooped in for, and then it was just like it's always been some kind of progression in some way or another where like gaming has always been just this 
attached part of my life and it's always been something in conjunction with something else so when i used to be a music journalist like i would you know i was like hardcore about making sure like i knew like what were the djs playing like what were the latest tunes but then at the same time it was like i could like immediately flow from talking to somebody about oh so and so set into like holy shit dude i was playing marvel versus capcom the other day and you won't believe like the combo i busted out with like spider-man and wolverine you know like gaming is just it's in my dna it's in my blood (laughs) what was the first system that people bought on launch day uh i know what yours is your story of shame I don't even know what my first one is, I guess. Uh, the Wii. Yeah, I thought yeah, the Wii is the first game that you bought on launch day, right? Yeah, I don't think I've ever bought a console on launch day before that. I got my 64 launch Christmas, but uh, even that was a fucking task for my parents. And then uh, I got my PS2 in the launch window as well. But again, that was like $400 or something, I remember, when it first came out. It was because 300. 300 It was 329 when I bought mine because KB Toys had some. And they and they knew they had some, so they charged a little bit more. So, and I remember amongst me and all my friends, I had to buy the system. Another person bought the memory card. Another person bought the game. Was it SSX? And another person bought a second controller. No, we bought Kango because we were such a Bushido oh, that's Blade right. fans, Whoa. and Kango was so terrible. Like coming, we just ended up popping it out and putting Bushido Blade back in. Man, so, I mean, I horse on that one. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. I I can shame myself more on that on my. Uh... I, the first system I, I bought when it launched was Dreamcast, and my first game purchase for Dreamcast was Blue Stinger. <laughs> hmm. I don't Damn. even know what that is. <laughs> you, you just won the exactly. entire I, I just win by losing. <laughs> mm. Damn. I mean, like, for me, actually, I never bought a console at launch, and if I would say there's anything I bought on launch day, I feel very strange saying it, but it was when the 360 Elite came out. That was, like, the first time I actually, like, stood outside and waited in line. I don't count the PS3 because I had to stand in line for work. Yeah, I might have gotten a GBASP, too, when it came mm-hmm. out. But, like, I waited for the 360 Elite because I remember, like, I was... I used to have to, like, borrow a console from the office to be able to play stuff and review stuff. And I was just like, I'm so sick of this shit. I want my own 360, <laughs> damn it. And then they were like, okay, 120 gig hard drive. And I think that was around the time that, like, Microsoft had announced they're now completely disappeared. They don't talk about it anymore, the IPTV initiative. Yeah. From, like, CES, like, then. two years ago. And, like, well, yeah. no, it popped up in the UK, I think. Uh, no, that's PS3, I think. It's Play TV. No, they're. Are I'm pretty sure they Microsoft did IPTV in a couple really, really limited markets in Europe. But but that was what sold me on buying an Elite, was like the promise of that. And ah. even now, it's like, well, you know... I, I, gotcha, bitch! It's fine. I mean, I'm glad I have it. I'm glad I can install a lot of games. Yeah, I'm surprised you made it so long without buying a 360. It was... Yeah, I went a pretty long time without buying one, but like... I, I guess you could say like anytime I really needed to play it, I could borrow it, and like I remember, like December of '06, when everybody's playing Gears and Rainbow Six, it was just kind of like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm gonna play Final y- Fantasy XII. You, you guys care if uh, this 360 stays out a couple more days, you know?" And played it there, but yeah, the Elite was like the only thing I can actually recall standing in line for to like personally buy it, not just to buy like a shitload of them for everybody in the office to be able to review stuff. I don't even think I'll buy the next generation of consoles day and date. I don't just think so. I, uh, it will, I will have to be convinced of some amazing launch title before I'll do that. But chances are, if I'm still working in the industry, I'll just get to play the game. 
I mean, Anyways, in, so. in general, like, the problem with buying stuff day and date is, like, at this point, like, if you look at the last two generations, whoever was first to market has always had the clunkiest-ass hardware. Yeah. So, like, you know, some people are like, I've had my PS2 for eight years, and it never died on me. Like, good, good for you, God bless you. You I know were the outlier. Yeah, I know people who've been through three of them. Yep. You know, and then it's like, with the 360, they're the first ones to market, and let's face it, Red Ring of Death is now, like, common, like, everyday terminology. When you when you're an early adopter, like yeah, you get the privilege of being like I got the hot new system, and then you're the first one that's like my shit broke. <laughs> yeah, I, I went. I bought my 360 in the middle of the desert at the launch event. Oh, you went to that? Yes. Oh. How is uh, how did it hold up? Uh, I'm on number six. Right. Oh wow! Yeah. See the first the first console I I bought. Oh, well, really, it was a portable. Actually, the first one I bought myself was a PSP, but. Um, growing up, my first system was an NES, and my mom managed to snag that the first uh, fall that it came out, and it was in New York only. Ooh. She managed to pull that down. Now, I don't know if she got it launch day. I don't know how she pulled it off. My mom was great at tracking down. Didn't like, they have it at that toy store that isn't open anymore? Like the um, Schwartz? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I've never asked her. I, I mean, I, I guess if I do ask her about it, she's, she probably doesn't The toy store from Big. Yeah, that's yeah. Our yeah. Exactly. That's our but it was the last thing I expected because I really wasn't into games, and I unwrapped this thing. I was like, "Oh wow!" And then when I got older, I found out, "Wow, that was really hard to get back in." I, I want to say eighty-seven, but it could have been eighty-six. It's probably eighty. It, yeah, I think it was eighty-six. Probably yeah. the first Christmas. Sorry, if you want to feel really guilty, ask your parents how much the cartridges they bought cost. Oh, and she was good uh, at getting those too, man. Yeah, I mean, I felt, I felt guilty for my sixty-four. Like I said, it was like two. It was like one ninety-nine for I think for the system when it launched. Uh, which was the sixty-four? Yeah, it was. I, think, I want to say it was more expensive I than that. I remember it being an expensive one. I think so. Maybe it's two forty-nine. It was cheaper than the PS, the PS one, which was. Still def- it definitely three, wasn't three hundred. At most, it was. At most, it was two fifty. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure it was two fifty. And so they paid like two fifty, and then it was ninety dollars for for Shadows of the Empire, on. In that launch window, was it ninety? Well, not everywhere, but it my parents got it from. 90. My parents got it from a Target for for ninety dollars. Wow. Wow. So that with uh, with the system, like that was that was my Christmas, and it was like still the greatest Christmas for me. But I was saying like ninety dollars for a game blew my That's mind. Love. Yeah, well, that was love. It was a that was a Christmas present from everyone. That was literally the only thing I got between my grandparents, parents, everything. It was like that, but it was like totally worth it because I loved Shadows of the Empire personally. You know, it's so. funny. This may sound like a weird question. Like, how many of you guys had like parents? Your parents take a picture of you on Christmas Day. When, like, you got your NES with, like, that massive, like, huge ear-to-ear grin on your face. Cause, I, there's like, probably I, a picture of me I went somewhere. through my family photo albums and, like, I found, like, the photo of myself, like, Christmas of 88, holding up, like, my NES pack and, like, straight up, like, I was, like, so, so happy. I got my Nintendo before that that hype train had had like really gotten moving so for me i was excited but i didn't understand it as well as i think yeah by the time i got my nintendo it was they were already hyped my blaster was orange like yeah. i don't know in the scheme of things i didn't have a gray blaster like i got a genesis for christmas like several years later and there was so much other shit that happened that morning that it would not have been a a photo opportunity to remember Fair when your parents brought you games, like, did they have like a good track record of tracking down the hits? I mean, did you tell them, "Hey, I want Metro"? Oh, I, I, I want told my parents game. like three months in advance. I want. Oh, as far as buying games, my parents almost yeah. never bought me games. Maybe that's why I buy them so often now. Because literally, all I did is rented games. Like, 
like a fiend back in the no, day. My mother was the shit. She was really, really good about yeah, it. Yeah, mine too. Like, she'd come in with Metroid, Zelda. I didn't even know what they were. And I was like, wow, this is great. My dad actually had know? a pretty good track record. Like, the second Nintendo game I got was uh, Gradius. Nice. He got Super Mario Brothers 2 the day it came out. And who could know that Super Mario Brothers 2 was barely a Mario game at that time? Everyone's like, it's Super Mario Brothers 2! Well, Nintendo Power hyped it up. Oh, yeah. The clay sculpture I still like Super Mario Brothers 2. I had that, yeah. I did too, yeah. That was crazy. My brother is like seven years older than me, and he's like a super nerd. So when I was born, he was already playing Atari and everything. And uh, by the time the NES came out, he was 15, and he was working um, at Six Flags Astroworld in the lemonade stand. And so he was buying... uh, like every cent of his paycheck went to NES games, and so, so you got the hookup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's basically his influx of games, and then with me mowing lawns, did you know, every you six beg? months I'd go and buy a game. What's up? Did he make you beg before you played it? This was paid for with lemonade money. <laughs> no, nah, we would be not. grateful. Now we got along well with that. Um, but yeah, um, the first system I bought day and date was the Wii as well because I knew that it was going to be in short supply, and that was really the only reason. And like. And it, it was just last week I was sitting there thinking, like, man, like, my financial situation is getting so dire. I'm like, fuck, dude, I need to put my Wii and my whole setup on fucking Craigslist because I never play this shit. But, yeah, it's funny. That's the one console I, I bought. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nintendo will do something in six months. And yeah. you'll be like, oh, shit, that's why I bought this Yeah, thing. that's, yeah. And then you'll that's play the it and you'll go, oh. See, it's no. funny. Like, I've never gotten rid of a single... Sorry to cut you off. But no, I've never gotten rid of a single system I've owned, so like, I don't want to do that. I ended up abandoning my Genesis when I, moved, when I went to college. I had to leave it behind, which I, I traded in my Genesis and my Super Nintendo. I got rid of my Everything. NES. I had a ton of shit for those by the end. So. Man, I even grabbed the NES out of my neighbor's house who burnt their, ho- burnt their own house down for insurance money. <laughs> We ran in there after it was burnt down, and they um, had a warped NES and a bunch of porno. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> and so it, those were the only things in fire. Young kid when this happened, yeah, I was right? probably like eight years old. Those That's perfect. Thing. You're just like, like, whatever the title is. You're like, whatever. Some VHS tapes, cool Nintendo. And 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 here's the here's the other funny thing. Like your olfactory system, you know, smell is your strongest uh, sense with memory. And so it's like all these porno mags were half burnt. So it's like. I would associate, like, porno and, like, sex with, like, the horrible smell of, like, burnt house. You have to, like, move a cushion over your lap anytime there was a fireplace in a house. <laughs> yeah. Porn, fire, and insurance money. They all go uh, hand in hand. I find, it, I find it amusing that the only things in fireproof boxes were apparently porn and Nintendo games. They had his, their son's name was Little CW, and CW stood for Country and Western. Wow. I'm not joking. Wow. All right, do we have anything to add, or are we going to take a break and then finish up with some letters? Yeah, all right, we're, we're taking a break real quick. We'll I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> That's pretty mind blowing. We're coming back with letters. CW. <laughs> Yeah. 
with some letters, which I'm going to start reading. Alright, this first letter... Don't be too excited. No, 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 no just, <laughs> just trying to... Okay, so this first letter is from uh, Brock from Canada. Hey guys, this is a long-time World of Warcraft player. I started listening to podcasts looking for more information on WoW. I discovered Legendary Thread, which led me to GFW. I regularly listened to both until they ended. Tear face. <laughs> um, okay, so he finally bought an Xbox, Rock Band, and Fable 2. So, so he said, what is the problem, you ask? Well, the problem is that I cannot play consoles. For some reason, I am having a, this really huge learning curve with the whole waiting looking with both joysticks. I end up looking at walls facing the wrong direction and turning a complete circle before I realize where I am and what direction I should be going. Sorry if it makes me sound like a complete and total noob. It makes you sound like Anthony's mom. But don't have this problem at all on PC. It's very frustrating because I want to play the Xbox, but I always ended up popping back on the PC since that is what I'm good at. I'm having a hell of a time. Any suggestions? Oh, actually, that was Shauna Bowman. Sorry. So Shauna is a girl. Oh, okay. Which, which then just makes her sound like the people are just going to be like, because it's a girl. Uh, I don't know. Stick with the PC, I guess. Or don't give up. I mean, my friend Ian's dad used to have a a really bad time playing two-stick shooter games, and now he, like, plays every first-person shooter when it comes out. Pones noobs. And he's, like, 60. So I, I'm just I watched my roommate play Left 4 Dead for the first time because his brother came over the house, and his brother uh, is younger than him, and he was just owning it. I watched my roommate playing. I almost got sick. Like, he <laughs> could not, And he was a hardcore, hardcore PC guy, and I was like, oh, he should be fine. I turn around, and he can't turn to shoot the zombie in time. He's getting beat up, and I guess we forget from time to time that... Just some people just don't get the console controls that well. Yeah, two sticks have always been a daunting thing for my dad too. So I wouldn't feel that bad. I mean, I just certainly wouldn't practice. Like my so sister well, was in a similar position. That's part of it, and I think if you just segregate your gaming, I mean, if there's stuff that you know you're good at and you're comfortable with playing on PC, play it on PC. But I mean, you bought a 360, you have Rock Band, like. Play some rock band. You don't need two sticks to play rock band. Like I'm just gonna throw this out, out there. There's a damn good chance Fable Two will come out for PCs within the next eighteen months. So if you really want to play, being a Microsoft play, first party game, yeah, I mean, call it a feeling. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's hunch. So, the, so the second letter is from Brock from Can. Uh, I was wrong. The first letter, you know, Shauna. Okay, so you're sure this is from Brock? Yeah. On Monday of this week, I decided to break up the monotony that is my daily life and lay down to enjoy your podcast. The listening of your podcast was also to be accompanied by the eating of several cinnamon coated donuts. All was well until you started to describe getting a tattoo of Chewbacca and um, and how not only would your penis be your penis, but also that of Chewbacca. At the same point in time, I had just bitten off half a donut and promptly lost my shit and began laughing uncontrollably. It was not long before a donut became stuck in my throat. I was frantically trying to cough it to no avail. Sadly, I was the only one at home at the time, and in desperation, I frantically opened the fridge and grabbed the first liquid I could see. This happened to be my mother's soy milk, Needless to say, by the end of this ordeal, I and the floor were covered with disgusting milk. Thanks for providing me with the most terrifying five minutes of my life. Fat penis forever and always. Brock from Canada. <laughs> I, it could be. At least it wasn't like a urine sample. Or Seriously, something. there's worse stuff than soy milk. Yeah, I don't know why. He, I guess. I guess uh, he's from Canada. I don't know. Do they not in in like a weird soy milk weird is different there. Yeah. I'm just saying we're in San Francisco. Soy milk is like such a common. Soy milk and soy milk is actually pretty good here because my wife is from Europe and she's always like soy milk sucks there. Like she's like in America the soy milk almost tastes like milk. So, so I don't know if it sucks in that. Canada, that makes too. me sad for two reasons though. Like one that we almost killed one of our listeners, and and two that donuts the thing I probably love the most on the face <laughs> of the earth almost killed one of our listeners. Dude, if we kill it makes a listener, me sad. 
then I'm fucking writing to Guinness. Um, <laughs> so the second letter is from, I mean, this other letter is from Billy O, who says, uh, I hate to go all physics nerd on you, but the distance from the sun does not significantly affect how high you jump. It is 99.999999% affected by the size of the planet you are on. Otherwise, you would jump higher at night and only float and only jump floaty on the moon 50% of the time. It is called the inverse square law, and it basically says that things are never really far away, that are really far away have no gravitational pull on you. I think that was because, uh, what game were we talking about? We were talking about, about Red Faction Guerrilla, and, and I, I don't remember who, but I was talking said, about how floaty the jump And was. I said yeah. that the gravity on Mars is different, and Anthony, being a I, dick, I decided said, to say, it can't be that different. And, I, yeah, so... It's the size uh, yeah. of the planet, not the distance. And, and the yeah, the, the distance dumb. from sun affects like ocean currents, and the moon affects that as well. And the gravity on Mars, I guess, is like half of what it is on Earth, or something like that. Uh, the next letter is from Klaus, and he says, uh, "Yo, why do you guys always take such a hardcore stance against drugs and shit?" I remember on an episode of GFW where Sean was all like, "None of us have ever tried pot." And it's kind of weird to act all weird like that when pot is like mostly harmless, blah, 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 blah. So he goes on. The point of the matter is... Uh, you should if, read it. If you wouldn't, I want to hear this. He just, he just says that pot is the most harmless and non-addictive substance on the planet, which that's a that's a little bit of hyperbole. I, I don't know. I, but, I thought that that would be like ice cream or, or something. <laughs> uh, and even most other hardcore drugs are not going to destroy your lives. Even some hard drugs are okay if they're not abused, taken every day or whatever. funny thing about Sean is, is I'm pretty sure you'd ask him, Sean has smoked pot before in his life. Sean, we always took a hard stance like that because we worked for Ziff, and so it would probably be bad if we were on a podcast talking about doing drugs, but the fact of the matter is that, like, I can guarantee you that most everyone that was on that podcast at one point in their life has done drugs, so, I mean, and we live in San Francisco, and they definitely where like there are drink. legal pot clinics. So I'm just saying. I think that it, Anthony might be the only person who worked at Ziff that didn't like to drink. So I think uh, if he ever thought that we were taking like such a hardcore stance, it was uh, mostly out of context, and he should have seen a joking tone to it. Yeah, so. I, I we don't. I, I Anthony does, hasn't done anything. I haven't done anything. It's not. I don't have a problem with people doing drugs. I'm confused by the nonchalance about coke in San Francisco. I. Yeah. Um, because you'll just be talking to someone and they'll be talking about like, yeah, I was out at the club and we were dancing and stuff and that somebody was doing coke in the bathroom and then this happened. I'm like, wait, rewind that. See, when I used to go out to clubs, I used to make a joke. And for somebody who's never played WoW in my life, I used to always say, oh, I'm in the bathroom. Oh, fuck, there was an Onyxia raid in the stall. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a keeper. That's a good one. I like that. Um, let's see. So another one is... Uh, so this was from Enzo. Enzo, Enzo is the heartbroken Italian boy yes. that emailed us. Hey guys, is he like from Italy? Or? He's from Italy. Uh, hey guys, still still Enzo. loving the show. Last week I had my letter read, and I want to clarify on some points that you asked questions about. Yes, I am Italian, but was born in the U.S. of A. Yes, mm -hmm. I speak Italian. I already play World of Warcraft, but continuing on, the reason I actually wrote this was to tell you that Anthony was somewhat correct in his assumption of how we broke up. I was with the girl for a year. I injured my toe at work one day and decided to come home early. I neglected to tell my girlfriend of my injury because I thought she was at work too and I want, and would want to leave early. Oh so to my utter no. surprise, I walked through the front door to find them on my couch naked. And here's the amazing part. Midnight Club LA was on pause on the TV. On my saved account, and just to add insult to injury, they were lying on top of my $60 Resident Evil 5, which had broken underneath them. And I wondered why the whore winced every time I sat down on the couch. Oh, and thank you for reading my la not reading my last name on the show. Much appreciated. So remember how I was like, maybe he hates Midnight Club because that's what they were doing, doing it to when he came home. He said that that was true. So, wow. uh, 
I'll just leave you guys all in stock. I feel in, like. I just felt a little I, part of me die. Yeah, I, I feel so bad that I'm avoiding the hot coffee joke. <laughs> and it cracked his disc? That's... I don't know, yeah, I'm hoping it just broke the case, right? I don't know. Oh. Poverino. Enzo, oh, well, let's dude. play some Resident Evil 5. I can't. <laughs> um, okay. So... Okay. Hello, I was listening to episode 16 and I was intrigued by your discussion as to how Wookiees mate. I am no expert, but I believe the apparent lack of a dong could be explained by the absence of a baculum. B-A-C-U-L-U-M. I'm going to say baculum. Baculum is fine. Which is essentially a penis bone. Wikipedia has the following to say. The baculum is a bone found in the penis of most mammals. It is absent in humans, equids, marsupials, legomorphs, and hyenas, and cetaceans, among others. It's used for copulation, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he, so that's what his, his theory was. Uh, you know, Jibaka didn't have a penis because it, that showed because his bone wasn't, like, working. Cause, cause he but didn't the thing is, is that actually our coworker Alex brought up another point, which is uh, that it's silly to apply Earth assumptions about mammals and stuff and call Chewbacca a mammal because we don't know that. Sterling said, for all we know, he pees out of his toes or something. Yeah, I mean, we're not confined to these rules. Like, seriously, like, just because it's some seven-foot-tall motherfucker walking around in a rug shooting a bowcaster does not mean that if you really go beyond that and you want to get pedantic about the canon that, like, Chewbacca's got to have a regular schlong like human beings. sorry, have you talked to Star Wars fans? (laughs) I used to work with one. Yeah. (laughs) How how can you say with a straight face, like, why do we need to get into the the pedantics of Wookiee reproduction? Because you know what? Because, like... This is a planet where people speak Klingon. Because I get get a big grin on my face when I talk about the pedantry of Star Wars stuff, because my emotional investment in it is minimal at best. See, and I was just going to ask, I was interested to hear Anthony's take on this, but, you know, do Yaddle and Yoda get it on, and if so, how? See, I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, uh... I, if you could make something of about I'm that, I'm sure. I'm sure that I, I want to believe that they're humanoid and therefore have a penis in their crotch area. But you don't want to. They might fuck it. through their ears for all. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to think about Yoda milk. That's what I. So now that I'm thinking about this, it's you know, it's just I don't know that we can apply that same thing. For all we know, they're so attuned with the force that they they actually breed through the force. Maybe they have class. How do you like that? I just fucking blew Tyler's mind. <laughs> Well, I, I was thinking that, that to me it seems like Yoda and them would be celibate. Sex. What? I don't know. To me it seems like they would be celibate. Yoda. Monastic. Yeah. Maybe they just change, uh, like, Yaddle's obviously much younger than Yoda, so they change sex at different points in their life. No, it's Yaddle lays eggs and Yoda drags himself over them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so the next letter is from Daniel Franson. And, uh, Wait, just going back, uh, about the... the the mammals with penis bones thing that's I, I actually knew about that although it didn't come to mind when we were talking about Wookiees but just as an example walruses I guess have like four foot long penis bones I've seen yeah I've seen the bones like, like they can be used as clubs body. yeah they're pretty ridiculous has anybody ever slain a walrus and used its severed schlong as like no. a weapon? I, I you, you know what you don't want to see. I'm sure there's an archaeologist. Oh, I bet you don't want to see Eskimos kill a seal and eat it. <laughs> it sounds it is... like a weapon on Postal Four. So, <laughs> so Daniel Franson uh, writes Dawn. to us, and the reason he wanted to write to us was to let us know about a game he'd made called Olu, which is his XNA community game that's coming out this summer. How do you spell it? Uh, O L U. 
The trailer is found on YouTube, so you can look for that. Uh, it sounded pretty cool, though. It takes much of its style from Res and adds a duality element to enemies and weapons similar to Ikaruga. So he's wanting to get a little exposure for his game, and because he managed to mention that his game was somehow like Ikaruga and Res, that made me want to read his letter, basically. So I don't know if, that, if that's at all true. But he says, if you can at least take a look at the video and judge for yourself, I would greatly value your opinions, which I haven't done. So I guess holler that makes at me, me on Facebook. A ter- terrible person. Yeah, holler at Sterling. Holler uh, at Sterling on Facebook or Twitter or, or Twitter. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll expose your uh, your Twitter name at the end of the podcast. All oh, right, on. All right. Uh, let's see. So Logan. So this guy's name is Logan. Hello, Rebel FM people. I've been a listener since episode one. Uh, I recently heard you guys go off on a mini-segment about game tattoos. I myself am a tattoo artist and gaming enthusiast. I recently just posted my second-ever podcast on iTunes under the name Electric Cigarettes, and it was actually about this very topic, titled Tattoos vs. Gaming. I wanted to thank you guys for bringing this up on your show and also not acting glib about the topic or germing up the usual crap about gaming tattoos being something one would regret later in life. Since we've all been gaming for as long as we remember, it's hard to imagine that after 25 years of loving games, we would suddenly move on to regret a reminder of these times, unless you're Enzo. I have a tattoo on my left foot that reads... He's really regretting that Resident Evil 5 tattoo right about now. Yeah, I have a tattoo on my left foot that reads, uh, minus 150 hit points. This is to remind people that when I kick them, they are taking significant, significant damage. I would rather like tattoo like plus five or something so like that. But. He says, he, I have a group on Facebook, Tattoos and Art by Logan Sexsmith, if you want to check out some of my earlier tattoo work. And I hope to have a full-fledged website up soon. Love the show. Keep up the good work. And on one final note, Anthony, I think if you dig HP Lovecraft as much as I do, or you do HP Lovecraft as much as I do, so by the esoteric order of Dagon, I slap you with a mean tentacle high five. I mean, I do like uh, it, probably not as much as you. Like, you probably have a tattoo or something. I don't, but uh, anyways. Um, let's see. The that next. is a really fortunate last name for a tattoo artist, I gotta say. What, Sexsmith? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this other person, I'm not, I'm not gonna read his whole letter, his name's Brian. But I just wanted to read that he said, I want to mention, I'm glad Arthur is still around. Um, Arthur is a better person for podcasting. Also, it's great when you guys go off topic, so continue to do so. I just like that because, you know, Arthur gets a, a lot of internet hate. So, uh, you know, I thought... Well, yeah, I, it seems to have subsided somewhat, but maybe because people are just aren't listening anymore. So um, this next letter uh, from Pug, he just wants to know if any of us have a good idea for... Uh, an MMO. And he said not WoW because he finds it boring. Like an MMO to play? Yeah. Uh, does, does the requirement, is there like a requirement that it be around in six months? Right, exactly. Like, how long is he willing to wait? I have a Mac, I have no access to a PC, and I'd quite like to try an MMO that's a bit more exciting. Uh, it's time life. to dual boot. Like, seriously. Yeah, it's what, time. As soon as he said Mac, I was like... <laughs> it is time to put Windows and partition that hard drive. Seriously. And then if you were to do that, I don't know, maybe you could try it. If you want to try something that I guess is quote-unquote more exciting, maybe the Warhammer one. It's a lot more PvP-focused and action-focused. What about so. APB? Or APB. That's, APB, that's what came APB to mind. Isn't APB going to be you know, console-based? It's yeah. We're free crap. It's so early. It's been so long now. I mean, mm-hmm. God, I saw like... They were hiring and talking about it at GDC. Yeah. I mean, I saw like character sketches for APB like over three years ago when I went to like real-time worlds in Scotland. They are like, this is what the game's going to be like. And now I'm like... And then we've got this other thing called Crackdown. Yep. We and hope then, people will like it. 
We hope people will like it. Oh, we liked it. Just dig up, dig up the you know GDC. What is it? GDC two thousand and eight? Yeah. And find the coverage on Dave Jones APB if you haven't heard about it. I mean, as someone in that audience, and I'm sure you were there as well. I actually missed that one. It's usual GDC stuff. There's always an awesome panel, and there's two other ones where you have to go to for something. And you yeah, it's a gamble. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, that stuff. It was it was crazy watching what you can do in that game. But you're right. They haven't said if it, they haven't specified if it's console or if it's PC. And I'm pretty sure it'll be both. So I thought so. That's what they originally said. So I'm not going to read this guy's whole letter that he wrote for Enzo, but he did ask us to read it. To wait, Enzo. wait. I mean, did we address that question at all? Like, are there any MMOs? Oh, MMOs. Like I mean, yeah, that's compatible. what I'm saying. Warhammer is much more interactive as far as, like, uh, What about some of those, like, 2D action ones, like Maple Story? I- I've never played them. That's true. I mean, if you wanted to go the free-to-play uh, the free free route... Um, we we actually got a... Or Age of Conan. Free. I enjoyed Age of Conan. I mean, like, I don't know I how long Age of Conan did. is going to be around, so I don't know how attached someone should get to their Age I of Conan I bet you they'll characters. keep a, like a couple servers up of Age of Conan for a long time. Um, I mean... I got an email from someone complaining that we've never talked about Guild Wars or how I saw that too, but I didn't even don't talk about Guild Wars, and that is it's a, because no one here's played it. I, I mean, I'm not particularly interested in Guild Wars, but I don't play WoW either. That's oh, what about is, City of Heroes? Does anybody play that? Yeah, yeah, City of Heroes I played when it first came out, and it, it's okay, but it's another one of those like, like I don't know. It it it, it basically comes down to that it's not my nerd, like like that's not my nerd realm. I want elves and shit, and I don't care about superheroes as much. It's elves, asshole. Right, yeah, my brother is, like, way into comic books and played, has probably played more City of Heroes than he has played of WoW, but he's, like, equally, or... That's what I'm saying. Still, I think it comes down to, like, what your, yeah. your type of yeah. MMO fantasy is. It's kind of tough, because out of everybody in the room, like, I just... Uh, MMOs just don't really hold any interest for me. It's just like the commitment level is just a bit much. It's a job. See, for me, the reason I play it is I I basically don't play unless I'm playing with a friend. So, like, it's a way for me to stay in touch with my friend Joe, who, like, I lived with all through college, and it's nice to keep in touch with him. And, uh, like, it might as well be a Firefox plugin for Anthony. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Most of the time I'm watching something, I'm only, like, half playing, and I only get really into it when I'm with him and we're actually doing something. Otherwise, I just chat with him. You know, and it's weird. That I, in the scheme of things, though, MMOs have taught, like, taught me about news, either personal or related to the world. Like, I remember I first heard that we invaded Iraq because I was playing EverQuest at the time. So, and Anthony, you're not, like, big into, like, guilds or... or no, I mean, know? I'm in a guild, but it's a guild of nothing but real-life friends. Or everyone, at least, is real-life friends with Joe. So when Joe moved to Jersey, he's added some people in the guild that were Jersey friends. But literally, we all know each other. So, yeah, I mean, most of the time, no one ca- we don't call each other by our... Our fucking usernames. Everyone knows each other's actual names, and we don't. Arthur's rules thirty-one. What did you do today? We don't really, we don't really go raiding or anything like that. So. Well, maybe, and that's the thing that will help address the question is that you know the reader has to just you know find a, a buddy online because it seems that that's what keeps you hooked to an MMO, right? It's your friends, and it's you know the the, the relationships that you make within that space. I think that's yeah, the way just, that a lot of MMOs. Work. I just I think feel that like if WoW works he wants an action-based right MMO, I just think that Age of Conan or Warhammer are much more like action-based. Is Planetside um, still going? Or if he really wants to get hardcore in an MMO and just lose his life, he could try EVE Online. Because that <laughs> community's still going. Oh. Yeah. Six years later. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to read the the whole letter from the guy to Enzo, because it's super long. Um, but I just wanted to say... You want to uh, say his name? Uh, and give a gist of his email? His name is Calvin. And he says that basically Enzo needs to move the fuck on. And he's not saying that in a mean way. I thought he kind of was saying it a mean way. No, he just means it's like a, 
He just means that, you know, he just thinks that you, what you're going through hurts, but it, it doesn't have to. He just thinks that you've got to kind of work through it. But he, and he even is nice and he suggests uh, that, you know, if there's one game I could suggest to you, not as an escape, more of as a relaxation tool, it would be Flower. Even if this means you have to go drop $400 on a PS3, just do it. It didn't help me deal with any issues I had, but it definitely helped me to calm down and de-stress a bit. So, and he gives a more positive note, which is like, since his breakup, because he went through a similar thing, he's met women, had lots of experiences he wouldn't have had if he was still with that girl. So basically, he's just trying to tell Enzo there are other... His experience is code for sex. There are other fish in the sea. Possibly. And he's got a good point. You know, it sounds like it's pretty messed up what happened to Enzo, but, like, you can't let that scar you. Like, you just gotta buy another copy of RE5 and, like, just know that in, like, five years you will have finished RE5 and in five years she'll probably be in a far shittier place. And trade in Midnight Club. Living well is the best victory. There you go. Best revenge. So, uh... That and doing her sister. Yeah, (laughs) if you can. And also there are websites where you can, uh... You can order dog shit by the pound and have it mailed to them. I thought you were going to say websites where you can so, post naked pictures of it. Or if you pay me, I would probably uh, shit on her porch if she lives within 100 miles. So, But she don't because you're in Italy. So if I ever come to Italy, I will shit on this girl's porch for you. No, I thought he said he lives in the U.S. No, no I he's think he, from the U.S. He's, he's born in the U.S., but I don't think he lives here anymore. Oh, um, I see. Maybe I'm wrong. We're making you have to be way cooler than you are, Enzo. Enzo the Italian. I'll just say based on my reaction, because I can speak some Italian. Che stronza di merda. Something uh, about shit. And uh, so, yeah, I guess we're done for this week. Um, Thank you. So let's do where we can find each other. We'll start you guys off. Where can people find you on the internet, Sterling? Um, well, starting, like, next week, I'm kind of going to be packing my life away, but, uh, technically, g4tv.com is where I'm going. Uh, I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash sterling underscore m, or, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Not as much as Twitter, though, so. Facebook is for people you know. Yeah. yeah, it's gotten to a weird mishmash. I'm really? managing it much better than MySpace, where MySpace was just like anybody was like, "Hey, you really like going out to clubs? I'm a shitty promoter in some small town. Why don't we be friends?" And it's like, no, let's not. <laughs> you know, Facebook has been much, much. You know, it's much more manageable. You can tailor it in, but yeah. So, I guess holler at me on Twitter because it's probably the best way to get a hold of me over the next few weeks. Follow so. Sterling, especially if you like soccer. Oh, Bitches. Oh, oh, oh. Shut up. All right, all right, where can uh, people find you on the internet, Jose? Uh, you can find me at uh, systemic.gamehelper.com. I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I'm an associate editor there. Um, you know, I also uh, try to do some freelance. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Joe, D-A, professor. Uh, that says one word. Um, and that's where you can find me at. You. Uh, eat-sleep-game.com Twitter is A-E-G-I-E-S the same as everywhere else I have more freelance stuff coming up for PC World alright I thought you still had something to say you ended that on like a, a inflection that made me think that you weren't done I like playing with your emotions Tyler I have a Twitter and it's me the motherfucking dirty tea <laughs> dirty tea is in the drink God damn it, Tyler. Um, That's too long a name for Twitter. Uh, so yeah, so twitter.com slash chuffmoney is me. Uh, you can also find me on the GameSpy debriefings at gamespy.com, as well as you can find some of my writing if you're willing to sort through the fact that we don't have bylines on the front page of our stuff at the moment. Um, 
So that'll do it for this week. Please uh, review the show on iTunes. Dig the show if you feel so inclined. And uh, no, just do it. Yeah, we'll just do it. Like I would like to see a power dig user get behind it and fucking jack the system. Like, see, they I do. have to edit that out because once you say it, it'll never happen. I'm just fucking kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Unless you say their name in the mirror five times. Yeah, <laughs> and send you money. And so, anyway. good luck to Sterling, right? I mean, out to LA. Good luck, man. Yeah, make some noise. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm being all mute about it because I'm not gonna like try to say, oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. But I look forward to, uh, in some shape, form, or fashion, working with you guys in the future. Yeah, we'll see you in three. Anything else? All right. Doctor Manhattan's ginormous blue schlong. <laughs> <laughs>